Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You already know who it is. It's Chase and Josh here with Factor Fantasy on this beautiful Sunday, ready to throw down our part two of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. How you feeling over there, my man, Chase? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm stoked. Feeling good? The Chamber. It's going down. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Solid 2006 throwback reference. Our boy, Young Jock. Shout out, Jock. <laughs> I haven't heard from him in a while. Is he still making music? Do you know? Uh, last time I checked, Josh has heard this story. So he actually is actually a really good friend of mine. But yeah, he was doing something on MTV last time I checked. I guess he was filming some show or something. But I don't watch MTV, man. My, you know. Pretty much all we have time for is watching this and reading the books and then our real day jobs Right <laughs> on top of that. I, he could have, you know, most artists, what they do after a certain amount of time, they kind of go up in the industry and they start managing other rappers. So I wonder if that's kind of what he's doing now. Um, yeah, we, haven't, we haven't checked in on him in a long time. I know that one time I was hanging out with you, you threw a FaceTime over to him. So that was pretty cool, man. Uh, but uh, awesome. Hope everyone's doing well over there in Georgia, all your buddies. Because, uh, Chase, you used to work at like um, a rental car place where you had some celebrities come in and pick up some vehicles to use in like music videos and stuff, right? Yeah, that, that was cool. It, um, it was a number of different things. So first, I really, you know, we talked about on the show, like Josh and I used to work in entertainment. So like I said, what I used to do was like the picture car coordinator. But right before there, when I was kind of promoted into more of that spot. Um, I ran the sports car division for the Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson airport. So we used to have like a, uh, some cool guys come in <laughs> that were really cool. Um, I don't mention a lot of names, but yeah, Jock was a really cool guy that um, I didn't even really know who he was at first. Actually, funny story, uh, Travis Kelsey sat down across me and I was putting his rental car together with his driver's license and I wasn't paying attention to it. And he was like, I was like, what do you do for a living, man? And he was like, oh, I play football. So I'm sitting here thinking, oh, nice, man. I played in high school too. That's great. And literally I was like, uh, yeah, man. So like, wh what are your plans in life? And he's like, well, you know, I mean, I, I like the NFL. My brother plays because he plays with the Eagles. And I was like, oh yeah, the Eagles, man, just kept going on about him. I was like, yeah, man, I remember when I played in high school <laughs> and I looked down and saw who it was. Yeah, now I get to see that guy scoring touchdowns, not on my fantasy team every week to haunt me. But nicest guy in the world, man. <laughs> nicest guy in the world. The ones that are, are really cool are the ones you never even know they are anything because, you know, everyone puts their pants on the exact same way. <laughs> That's right, my man. And uh, yeah, I think that's a good the good segue into our famous guy Harry Potter, who we're gonna be talking a lot about uh, over the next couple months. Uh, I know last week we gave you guys part one that really entailed those big five major key points of the outline uh, from the start of the book to the end of the chapter, the Rogue Bludger. Uh, today we're actually gonna finish up, start with the chapter, the Dueling Club, and finish all the book in those five major key uh, outline points. And today we're going to include our top five magical creatures, which I know Chase and I are super excited about because we love doing the rankings too. We know you guys enjoy it. We like to do it <laughs> just as much. get bounce back, give each other some crap about it. So uh, I don't know, man. You think we should dive in and get started? Yeah, man. You know who doesn't put their pants on the same way? My boy Gilderoy Lockhart, baby. That's right. He, he magics them boys on. <laughs> 
can't get the uh what was it the smile the smile award most magical smile, smile. that's right that's right he's the man that is that is for sure so and you know harry uh like i was saying last episode you know it starts to sound really pompous harry when you're trying to hand out autographs signed autographs man (laughs) (laughs) bro let's get a malice in the chalice and let's get kick this bad boy off let's kick it off man cheers brother malice in the chalice baby good stuff all righty let's get rocking and rolling uh so what i'll do is i'll start with uh, like our favorite impact moments again starting from the end of rogue bludger towards the end there i got some cool bullet points i'm gonna outline uh some of them might come up again also in foreshadowed events because you know i enjoyed them but they also happen to be big moments other places so if you hear it a couple times guys bear with me like i said i'm not gonna go into crazy detail i'm just gonna tell you quickly what the points that stuck out to me are and if they're big big ones i might give a description why very briefly but i'll start here guys at uh page 187 uh, I thought it was pretty ballsy of them to create a diversion in Snape's class with a firework like in the sw- like in the swelling potion, because like everyone knows if you mess around in Snape's class and he catches you, like you're done. <laughs> like that's it. Like you ever have one of those teachers that's just stupid strict for no reason other than they want to be? Well, that's Severus Snape, and he already hates Harry as it is because of his history with Harry's dad. So Harry taking the chance and putting a firework into uh, the cauldron. Uh, and blowing it up there so Hermione can sneak in and steal Polyjuice Potion ingredients. Crazy stuff, man. Uh, that was pa- awesome. Yeah. Page Definitely. 190. This is probably one of my favorite moments in the entire book when Severus Snape knocks Gilderoy Lockhart on his ass uh, <laughs> through <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> with the disarming charm. Uh, and another reason why this is big, too, is because really this is the first moment we see the disarming charm, Expelliarmus, and that spell is a really key cataclysm of a lot of events that come up later on down the road. So this is where we first learn Harry's favorite spell. <laughs> um, <laughs> going on to like page 192, Harry and Malfoy dueling. Uh, so I want to like I want to kind of read the passage there for the spells. I'll just briefly run over it so that way we know. I always like to detail what spells are used because sometimes the ones that like come up once or twice we forget about. I still think it's cool to like almost detail every single spell that kind of gets used along the way. But the first one that Malfoy uses was um, he had hit Harry with... Where it is? There we go. Uh, so Malfoy actually started on two and hit him with the Expelliarmus charm. And then Harry pointed his wand straight at Malfoy and shouted... Rictum Semtra, and a jet of silver light hit Malfoy in the stomach, and he doubled over wheezing. He hit him with a tickling charm. So that Rictum Semtra is a tickling charm. And then Malfoy came back at him and pointed at Harry's knees and said, Terra Telegra, and that's when Harry's legs began to jerk around out of, like, like a, like a jelly legs kind of dancing around out of his control. And then finally Snape took charge and healed Harry's legs, and then they started over again. And that's when you kind of have that big moment where the the snake comes out of uh, you know the the wand there, and this is more of a foreshadow too. But this really big moment here is when Harry tells the snake to stop, but everyone else thinks that he told the snake, "Yo, go get that boy, Justin Finch Fletchley." <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, you, baby. <laughs> what that, they, uh, which one was the one that my mom's a muggle? No, oh, that's Seamus Finnegan, bro. Yeah, you, you love Seamus Finnegan, bro. You love him. 
But <laughs> yeah, then we go on to page 199. I thought this was kind of jacked up. Ernie Macmillan is like convinced Harry is the heir of Slytherin just because of that one interaction with the snake at the dueling club. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah, what a, what a jerk. Cool. <laughs> like, yeah, and then cool. a couple pages later, what happens? Justin Finch Fletchley is actually found, <laughs> petrified, and so is nearly headless Nick. This is one of the very few plot holes that I thought about. Not that he could get petrified, but like of how they restore him, and I'll bring that up later on. So, moving on to page 203. Uh, Peeves, he had his Potter, You Rotter song, and I thought that song's <laughs> hilarious. I don't know why Peeves never makes an appearance in the movies, but he's a hilarious part, especially the first couple books. Like, he just has, like, little tiny key moments where he just causes mayhem and mischief, and I, I love it, right? Um, awesome. Then Harry's taken to Dumbledore's office because McGonagall's like, listen, this is out of my control. Like, you know, this is the third time you've been caught at the scene of the crime, Harry. You better stop messing around, boy. So, <laughs> uh, he gets into Dumbledore's office, and this is the first time we see Fox the Phoenix, who comes up huge later on. He's, like, the man. But uh, he bursts into flame, and we see him rebirthing himself. So we learn a little bit about phoenixes right then and there. thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Then page 210, like, Fred and George messing with everyone who think Harry is the Slytherin's heir. Like, like oh, wait, watch out. The heir of Slytherin's coming through. Like, just messing around with everybody because, you know, Fred and George always got to give them their airtime on the show. Those are my boys, specifically Fred. But uh, got to <laughs> love it, man. Uh, also on page 212... Fred actually bewitched uh, Percy's prefix badge to say Pinhead, and he didn't notice, and that's hilarious, because screw Percy. Uh, <laughs> then I don't we ever get to... have any problems against Percy. Percy was like the good old Weasley, man. Like, Dude, no he stinks. Problems with it. He, he stinks, just, like, bro. There. Exactly, he's there, and he tries to like be rules. Like He's, he's like the guy version he of Hermione, is. but worse. He's like, follow all the rules at all times. No, screw he Percy. Literally... Well, here's the thing. Like, Hermione used to kind of be a teacher's pet. Percy is the definition of a teacher's pet. But he's yes. like has that nasally voice that is just obnoxious. He would be the one, silly boy, put your hand down, silly boy. <laughs> That's great. 100%. So then pages 216 and 217, we actually see the Polyjuice Potion in action. And what that does, like how it, like he said, it felt like like stuff was twisting inside his like intestines, and he felt his like knuckles popping. Like he actually, like they, like J.K. Rowling did a great job describing what it would feel like going through a transformation into someone else's body. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and you know, page two twenty one. After they are Crab and Goyle, we learn that the of course this is super like you know predictable, but the password to the Slytherin common room is pure blood. Okay, <laughs> like that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, then later on page two twenty one, we actually find out Mister Weasley was fined fifty galleons for his like car incident at the like you know when the Harry and Ron took the car and Mister Weasley had made all the changes to it. They actually find him fifty galleons, and why that's important is they don't have fifty galleons. Remember, like in his vault, there was only one gold galleon and like other money, but like not a lot. So. I found that really interesting how they find him more money than he has, so that kind of stunk. <laughs> uh, page 223, we actually find out that uh, Draco Malfoy is not Slytherin's heir. He said he wishes he knew who it was so he could help them, but it is not him, in fact. Uh, 
Also, we find out 50 years ago that it was open, and that was before Malfoy's dad's time, which is really interesting because, like, I think about the timelines a lot when it comes to these, like, characters. And I always thought, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but our friendly giant, I always thought he was in Hogwarts around Harry's parents' time. But he wasn't. He's, you know, that's crazy to me. But I don't want to get too far into that right now. I'll bring that up later. But, uh, so, yeah, it was completely different times. Uh, Now, page 224, we learned that uh, Draco Malfoy, his dad's dark arts chamber, the secret chamber, is actually under their drawing room floor. That's where all his dark stuff is, where they, you know, when they raided his manor, they couldn't find it. That's where all the dark stuff is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, then we get into page 225, and we find out the reason why Hermione didn't join them on the Polyjuice Potion, like, like interrogation is because she turned into a cat. Uh, she was actually a, a cat. Uh, moving on to page 231, Harry is now in possession of that diary that is coming up hugely like, as we go along through this book. Uh, going into page 235, Lockhart telling Professor McGonagall that uh, he's sure the attacks have stopped because the monster's afraid of him. You know, just thinking he's the bee's knees at all times. He's he's a some, he's a tool man. Of course, Chase loves Gilderoy Lockhart, but I I can't stand him. Anytime he's on the page, I was like, I can't wait to get you off the page, man. <laughs> uh, I was hoping they dragged it on a little more. <laughs> oh, I, I like, bet yeah, you were. <laughs> dragged this on, baby. It's good stuff. And this page two thirty six, because like Lockhart had the idea for this crazy Valentine's Day, they, these guys almost made my top five magical creatures list today, but they didn't. The dwarves that are dressed up as Cupid, just because I thought it was hilarious. Like I thought, that was cool. that, I thought those yeah, were like thought it's cool. so funny. Like so, I mean something small, but they did not make my list. In fact, so they were close. Like remember last week I said the gnomes almost made it, and this week the dwarves almost made it. They didn't, but they were close. Uh, I thought it was also funny when the dwarf actually tackled Harry and sat on his ankles so he could he was forced to hear the Valentine song in the hallway in front of everybody else. So Yeah, that was funny. Th- that, was that was pretty good. cool. Um and at that point in time Harry kind of figures out how the diary works because his remember they split open his backpack and the ink spilled out over all of his belongings and then he realized yeah. that the diary was completely dry and that's how he figures out how the diary works. Uh you know, in pages 242 uh, we go kind of, this is where we kind of go into the diary specifically. He starts writing, the writing starts talking back to him. He figures out it's Tom Riddle. At this point in time, we don't know who Tom Riddle is, but he talks about Hogwarts 50 years ago, how he was there the last time the chamber was open. And he says, you know, basically he wants he wants to take Harry for a ride into seeing how things were 50 years ago. So Harry, like the, the book flaps open to that page in the little corner. He said it's almost like a TV screen. So he put his eye up to it. And he actually fell into it very similar to later on when we talk about the Pensieve. It was kind of similar to that. And yeah. uh, he gets taken into 50 years ago. He's in like Armando Dippet's office, who is the headmaster before uh, Dumbledore. And you know, kind of just going through the, the motions there. We learned that Tom Riddle really wants to stay at Hogwarts because, you know, and he actually decides to stop the attacks. Obviously, at this point, we don't know. Like, we think that he act, like, we don't know his ulterior motives. But he, you know, because he, he wanted to stay at the school over the summer, and headmaster's like, listen, in normal circumstances, we probably would make an exception, but, dude, there's been attacks, and like a girl died, like we can't do that. They might close the school, and so then Tom Riddle's like, well, if the attack stopped, would I be able to get special treatment there? <laughs> and then so then he he frames, you know, well, I don't want to say that yet. I kind of got ahead of myself there, but we go we go see, and he he stops Hagrid, and Hagrid has a monster in a box, and it scuttles away. 
And so they take Hagrid, and this is where we learn why Hagrid was expelled and what happened to him and why his wand was snapped in the first place. It's explained now that has come full circle of why that uh, happened. Now, at that point in time, we're kind of left to believe that that is a sequence of events. But, you know, we find out later on that I kind of jumped ahead a little bit uh, what actually happens there. <laughs> um, going on from there, uh, in page 250, like, what's kind of crazy here, let me go ahead, and I want to actually, this is one of the ones, I like to, to kind of take some passages if I need to explain a point real quick. So, back on page 250, like, they've got to basically weigh their options between a couple different things here. Let me get to the spot. Where are you? So yeah, they, they basically they decide, they listen, uh, do you think that we should go and ask Hagrid about it all? And Ron's like, well, that'd be a cheerful visit. Hello, Hagrid, tell us, have you been setting any Mad and Harry loose in the castle lately? And in the end, they decided they would not say anything to Hagrid unless there was another attack. And so I think that was kind of interesting, too, because what would it, could anything have changed if they talked to Hagrid about it first? Or could they have found out the information that they needed to to, to kind of solve so I thought that was kind of interesting and even think about it it says Hermione at the top of this page even says Riddle might have gotten the wrong person maybe it was some other monster that was attacking people so they're going through the list of what happens and she's you know that's more of a foreshadow than it is a favorite moment but I enjoyed it but then Ron says how many monsters do you think this place is going to hold uh, and so then Harry's like well we always knew Hagrid had been expelled and the attacks must have stopped after Hagrid was kicked out otherwise Riddle would not have got his award so those are some of those key little like options they're going through of what they, they basically try to do like a Venn diagram of all the possible scenarios and piece together little by little. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, now going to page 253, they ransack Harry's room and there's no diary there, meaning someone stole that from him. Uh, we go out to the Quidditch match at page 256 and Professor McGonagall actually cancels the Quidditch match because two more people have been attacked. And this time it kind of hits close to home because one of the people that were attacked is Hermione who just a couple pages ago had said like she figured she actually like solved it. She solved it yeah. and like went to go prove it and then she actually was attacked and she was she was petrified. So that kind of hit close to home because Ron and Harry got to see like their best friend like someone who's there like their third of the trio not there anymore and it did affect them to a pretty high degree. Mm -hmm. uh, then it was actually a double attack so it was Hermione and also a Ravenclaw girl and that Ravenclaw girl comes up later on as well but uh, then they decide hey you know what it's invisibility cloak time we're gonna visit Hagrid's house and so they go down to Hagrid's house and like no sooner do they get let in than there's another knock on the door and in strolls Dumbledore followed by the Minister of Magic you know how much trouble you must be in if the Minister of Magic comes knocking at your door like we see Cornelius Fudge for the first time and basically he tells Hagrid like hey man your record's against you you know last time we took you away the attack stopped you know hey if it's not you we'll we'll bring you back but yeah I gotta look like I'm doing something I gotta put some sort of plan of action in here so off to Azkaban with you my man and then uh, <laughs> that's when Lucius Malfoy comes in and kicks the door down and He's like, well, listen here, Dumbledore. All the members of the of the board of education, the governors, have decided that we are going to suspend you, and you are no longer welcome in the castle. <laughs> so now, yeah. now Dumbledore is like banned from the castle, 
And it was funny because, like, as he was talking, like, Dumbledore started making, like, his, his speech is like, you know, uh, I, I'll never, the only time I'll be truly gone from this castle is when there are none here that are loyal to me. And, like, help will always be given out Hogwarts to those who ask for it. So then Dumbledore looked to the corner where they were. Like, nothing gets past this man, dude. He's a brilliant wizard. He knew Harry and Ron were in that corner underneath the invisibility cloak the whole time, bro. I don't know how he does it. Dumbledore is something else, but he's also very silly, too, at the same time. Because he just happens to never be there when kids are actually in mortal danger. But it's fine. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways. <laughs> that is, yeah, so true. Ridiculous. It's amazing to think we always thought Dumbledore was, like, this badass. Which I guess he is, but when do we ever really see him at the most important time? Book five. Book five. That's it. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. And in uh, the end, did he like? Yeah, I mean, he saved the day, but <laughs> like it was just kind of like he was still just there. <laughs> yeah, he, he he allowed them. He allowed the good guys to fight another day, basically. Like he didn't end anything, you know. Exactly. So well, that's getting <laughs> yeah. getting far ahead of ourselves. But uh, you know, and back into the, this book in page two sixty two. Ernie Macmillan does the right thing, apologizes to Harry because he knows that they would never have attacked Hermione. I thought that was cool. That's exactly the moment where Harry and Ron notice the spiders. Because remember what Hag Hagrid said before they took him off to Azkaban was, if does anyone wants to find out anything, all they would need to do is follow the spiders. And so yeah. they, uh, and they, they start going there. And um, Lockhart, is, like this is where Professor Lockhart, he's very certain Hagrid is guilty. Like, he's sitting there talking all this stuff. Like, he thinks he knows everything along the way. Every time he's wrong, he'll come up with a new thing of, like, oh, I know this. And then he gets proven wrong time and time again. So, <laughs> I just thought that was worth mentioning quickly. Uh, they So, they go down to Hagrid's. And Harry actually leaves his invisibility cloak in Hagrid's cabin. And they enter the forest with Fang. Uh, this, so, now they're in the Forbidden Forest with no adults. Where you're not allowed to be. With two dogs and two 12... I'm sorry. A, a dog and two 12-year-olds in a forbidden forest with like murderous creatures so we just want to i just want to make sure that we all understand that that's apparently acceptable um <laughs> then we go like, a little bit farther in there into the forbidden forest and we have the ford anglia it appeared to them that was pretty cool because we don't know what happened to this car this entire time it drove off on the lawn in the movie it said something stupid like oh i went into the forbidden forest where in the book it was better it kind of kept it a secret of where it went and so now it coming up here was a surprise the first time you read it like oh hello car Thought that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> then uh, this is page 276 is huge right now because we start seeing there's spiders the size of cart horses is how it was described in the book. Yeah. Then they get to the awesome. king of spiders, Aragog, and it said he was the size of a small elephant. Can you imagine a spider the size of a small elephant? Get me the fuck out of there, wherever that is. No, thank that, you. That's massive. So... Then uh, we in page 276 we learn that Aragog is not the monster in the Chamber of Secrets, and 2000 I'm sorry page 279 Aragog actually gives his uh, children permission to eat Harry Ron and Fang, and the Ford Anglia saves their ass. Uh, then <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool is that after the car got them out of the forest, it just decides to go right back in as if it now lives in the forest. Like the the car now lives in the forest. It belongs as they say the kids say it belongs to the streets. <laughs> But it really just belongs to the forest. <laughs> but it belongs in the forest. That's now. right. By the way, how did it know like you were they were there? Did no it have idea. A calling? 
That wasn't even like his original owner was Ron. He just like shows up. Oh, you're in the middle of this lair. I definitely know how to get there. Okay. I don't know, man. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> so maybe I'll they heard. It. Maybe they heard. They heard their voice, and the car's like, "Wait, I recognize those voices. They ridden me before." I don't know. I got no <laughs> clue, but that that's the best guess. Uh, and the next bullet point I got is page two eighty two. Just this last paragraph here, when Harry realizes something like it all clicks for him, he wakes up Ron, and he's like, "Ron, the girl who died. Aragog said she was found in the bathroom. What if she never left the bathroom? What if she's still there?" And Rob rubbed his eyes, frowning in moonlight, and then he understood too. You don't think? Not moaning Myrtle? So, boom, they solved the mystery right there. Bang, they know exactly where to look. So, what they do, they learn, well, first we learn in page 285, the mandrakes are ready for cutting, which is awesome. Uh, but then 287, Lockhart again says, like, he said, mark my words, the first words out of the petrified people's mouths are going to be, it was Hagrid. So they actually swindle Lockhart into not escorting them down the hall so they could go into the bathroom. And they're about to go in there, McGonagall drops the hammer. She's like, yo, what are you guys doing here? What are you thinking? And then Harry puts on a sob story that they want to go see Hermione. And then Professor McGonagall softens her heart. And she's like, you absolutely can go see her. Tell Madame Pomfrey you got my permission. Which yeah. is, you know, that saved their butts right there from, you know, <laughs> any, any sort of punishment. <laughs> and then... Uh, so they go see Hermione, and this is where we have the note in Hermione's hand that they rip open. And I am going to read that entire note there because it's super important and one of my favorite moments. Because later on, one of my interesting facts is actually on the basilisk. But just to read the entire passage there, I'm going to go ahead and flip to it on page 290. That goes as follows. Boom. Of the many fearsome beasts and monsters that roam our land... There is none more curious or more deadly than the basilisk, known also as the king of serpents. This snake, which may reach gigantic size and live many hundreds of years, is born from a chicken's egg hatched beneath a toad. Its methods of killing are most wondrous, for aside from its deadly and venomous fangs, the basilisk has a murderous stare, and all who are fixed with the beam of its eye shall suffer instant death. Spiders flee before the basilisk, for it is their mortal enemy, and the basilisk flees only from the crowing of the rooster, which is fatal to it. And that kind of brings a full circle of why Hagrid was having issues with his roosters dying earlier in the book. Now we know why, because roosters are fatal to the basilisk. So, big moment there. Uh, then we, uh, it kind of goes, we start, when they figure out what it is, the basilisk, we start learning along the way how each one was petrified and not straight killed, right? So Mrs. Norris, it was the reflection in the water from the bathroom. Colin Creevy, he saw it through his camera lens. Justin Finch Fletchley saw it through Nearly Headless Nick. Nearly Headless Nick got the full blast of it, but he was already dead, so he couldn't die twice. And then, uh... Lastly, uh, Hermione and Penelope, they saw it through their mirror. So, big moment there. Uh, and then what I found was really funny in page 292, they actually go to do the right thing and tell the teachers, but it never works. No matter what they do when they try to do the right thing, they can never do it because it always ends up coming down to them. They, these, these kids have to do all the work every single time. So, uh, they hid in the conference room and listened to what was going on, and they find out there that, you know, Ginny Weasley's been taken into the chamber. And so, uh, Lockhart enters the room late, 
And they all gang up on him. It's like, hey, man, this, <laughs> this is your time to shine, boy. You've been wanting this, uh, Gilderoy. You've got the whole castle to yourself. you got free reign. You versus <laughs> so the monster. <laughs> you can tell he was terrified because he has no idea what he's doing ever. No one was bailing him out. No, they were all, they, they trapped him. Like, oh, it was good. It was good. And... Uh, so I'm actually going to go ahead too, and actually, because in page 297, what Ron and Harry do, they decide to go down to uh, talk to Lockhart and give them the information that they know. And this is where we learn the truth about Professor Lockhart. He says, uh, you're meaning you're running away? Harry said disbelievingly, after all the stuff you did in your books. Books can be misleading, said Lockhart delicately. <laughs> you wrote them, Harry shouted. My dear boy, Lockhart said, straightening up and frowning at Harry. Do use your common sense. My books wouldn't have sold half as well if people didn't think I'd done all those things. No one wants to read about some old, ugly Arminian warlock, even if he did save a village from werewolves. He'd look dreadful on the cover. No dress sense at all. And the witch who banished the abandoned banshee had a hairy chin. I mean, come on. So you've just been taking credit for what load of other people have done? Harry, Harry. Lockhart said, shaking his head. It's not nearly as simple as that. There was work involved. I had to track these people down, ask them how they managed to do it, and then I had to put a memory charm on them so they wouldn't remember doing it. If there's one thing I pride myself on, it's my memory charms. So, that is exactly how he's been getting away with saying he's been doing all these things and why he actually sucks when it comes to real-life stuff that we've seen throughout the entire book. Now, uh, going on further from that, Rounding out here, in page 298, Harry actually disarms Professor Lockhart. So Harry is even a better duelist than Lockhart is at age 12. Just want to throw out there, Chase, because I know you like Lockhart. He got outsmarted and outdueled by a 12-year-old. So <laughs> screw Professor Lockhart. Yeah, well played. <laughs> and then page 292, Myrtle describes her death like she's like happy about it. She's like, oh, it was awful. Like I, I heard a boy's voice. I opened my stall and I saw two enormous yellow eyes, and then I just drifted away. So uh, that was <laughs> kind of cool, great. though, because like now that we know really we cool. know it was a boy who's the heir of Slytherin, right? Because he's the one that opened the chamber. So we're starting to get a little bit more of the pieces of the puzzle together. And then they're looking around because she said exactly where the eyes came from, from a certain faucet. And the reason he was able to figure out which one it was, number one, it didn't work. Like, the, the faucet didn't work. And number two, it was scratched on the copper tap. There was a tiny snake etched into it. And so that's how they knew that was where the entrance was. And that's where, uh, like, I put down in page 300, Harry Potter opens the Chamber of Secrets. Then when they go down to the chamber, there's snakeskin 20 feet long, which if you guys... Like, I think one of the largest alligators ever was like, I don't know, 24 feet, and that was a monster. I don't even know. I, I, I might even be overbearing on that alligator. It might have been lower than that. But 20 feet long, guys, that's ridiculous. I'm 6'2". That's three and a half of me stacked up, like, standing on my own shoulders or my own head three times. Like, that's, that's a long snake. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, terrifying absolutely yeah. terrifying if you saw the snake skin and it's just like all crumpled up and you like like man i would be on the fur i would be climbing back up that hole my hands and knees bro i wouldn't be going down there oh <laughs> uh, man and then lockhart he ends up you know tricking ron into thinking that like he was hurt he grabbed ron's wand 
and this is a full circle moment finally he uses the memory charm to curse harry and ron ends up backfiring and hitting at him because ron's wand is broken right so this is that is what this whole thing has led to this entire time so it's kind of almost a genius way that his like she broke his wand in the beginning because if he was able to get the better of them and actually disarm them who know or, or memory charm them we don't know how this would have played out right so right <laughs> thought that was kind of cool page 307 tom riddle takes physical form uh page 309 we learn about Ginny writing in the diary and like that's how he was able to start manipulating her uh, full circle here. I'm actually going to read in page 310 the passage about Ginny. I found this super fascinating, and this was one of my favorite moments in the whole book. Right? So she actually she actually writes in the the passage, "Dear Tom, I think I'm losing my memory. There are rooster feathers all over my robes, and I don't know how I got there. Dear Tom, I can't remember what I did on the night of Halloween, but a cat was attacked, and I've got paint all down my front. Dear Tom, Percy keeps telling me I'm pale and I'm not myself." I think he suspects me. There was another attack today, and I don't know where I was. Tom, what am I going to do? I think I'm going mad. I think I'm the one attacking everyone, Tom. So that's a huge moment for me, one of my favorites in the book, because it all starts to make sense. Uh, then we also, we finally get, this is probably the most iconic, correct me if I'm wrong, bro, but this is probably the most iconic moment in the whole either book or movie, both, whatever you want to say it. When Tom Riddle puts his name in the air and rearranges it, that's got to be one of the biggest parts. It's my favorite in... part. Yeah. Well, besides, you know, Lockhart. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Besides, <laughs> besides that awesome guy, right? Besides but... Lockhart, like, the entire time. Yeah. Right. It was, it was cool. With the Some of the cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, fire around it, switches it up. It's like, you know, Tom Marvolo Riddle switches it up. I am Lord Voldemort. Like, that's genius. I love it. I love that it. It was awesome. great. That was really cool. Uh, then we got uh, Fox appearing out of nowhere with the sorting hat. Uh, you know, and this, see, this, honestly, this could be a foreshadow if I wanted it to be. But I think this causes a lot of problems for Harry later on. He gives Lord Voldemort the recipe on how he can beat him, how Voldemort can beat Harry. Because, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm going to prove my point here. I know it's not your people are kind of looking at me like, what do you mean he gave him the recipe to beat Harry? I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean. So, so he wanted to keep Tom talking. He says, no one knows why you lost your powers when you attacked me, Harry said abruptly. I don't know myself, but I know why you couldn't kill me. Because my mother died to save me. My common muggle-born mother, he added, shaking with suppressed rage. She stopped you killing me, and I've seen the real you. I saw you last year. You're a wreck. You're barely alive. That's where all of your power got you. You're in hiding. You're ugly. You're foul. And Riddle's face contorted. Then he forced into an awful smile. So, your mother died to save you. Yes, that's a powerful counter charm. I can see now. There's nothing special about you after all. I always wondered, you see, because there are strange likenesses between us, Harry Potter. Even you must have noticed. Both half-bloods, orphans, raised by muggles, probably the only two parcel moths to come out of Hogwarts since the great Slytherin themselves. We even look something alike. But after all, it was merely a lucky chance that saved you from me. That's all I wanted to know. So remember when, you know, in two books from now, big moment happening, I'm not going to say it, but remember in Sorcerer's Stone how Voldemort couldn't touch Harry? And then... Yeah. You know, we you know a couple books later, 
Mm-hmm. Harry gave him the recipe. <laughs> Harry literally yeah, told him. Exactly. So that was a huge moment there. Uh, you know, page 317, Tom opens up the mouth of Salazar's Slytherin statue and out comes the basilisk. I uh, thought this was cool in 318. Fox blinded it. Harry puts the sorting hat on, asks for help. The sword drops on his head. Harry kills the basilisk, but the fang goes into his arm and he's dying from the poison. Fox, his tears heal the wound. Fox brings Harry the diary. Harry stabs the diary with the basilisk fang. And this is a really cool part, too, because we don't really know how important that is in the moment when he stabs it with the, like, the diary with the basilisk fang. Because we just, we, like, we don't, no one knows what's to come later on. And it's kind of cool that she led up to this because we just thought maybe that's a one off thing that he did to keep, like, part of his thing up. Yeah, I don't want to give anything away, but I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, then Fox flies them all at the chamber. Dumbledore's just chilling there after more students almost die. You know, he's just like, he's sitting in McGonagall's office beaming like, hey guys, welcome back from the Chamber of Secrets. I'm glad you're still alive. Sorry I couldn't go down there and help you myself, but I'm glad that you guys took care of it. So, thought that was ridiculous. Checking his mail while he was suspended, making sure he didn't have any more letters from the ministry. Yeah, no making no, more, no more pressing sure. issues. Gotta make sure all of his stuff's intact there. Gotta love Dumbledore, man. <laughs> then uh, on page 329, we got some really good stuff here. Uh, where are we got? Yeah, so I thought this was cool for Mr. Weasley. He said, haven't I taught you anything? What have I always told you? Never trust anything that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain. I just love that quote. I think it's awesome. Good life advice for anybody. Never trust anything that can think for itself if you don't know where its brain is. So <laughs> That's really good. I thought that it. was dope. <laughs> That's awesome. Then page 330, Dumbledore fakes them out, pretending to expel them, but actually gives them special service awards and 200 points each to Gryffindor. 334 revealed that the sword was actually Godric Gryffindor's. And then Lucius Malfoy shows up, and it comes out that he actually threatened the governors to force Dumbledore's suspension. And Do- actually, Do- uh, Dobby tells Harry through hand gestures that this the diary was Lucius Malfoy's. He was in there pointing at the diary, pointing at uh, Malfoy and banging his head. And so that's when they figured out, oh, shoot, Lucius Malfoy is the one who gave Ginny this diary. That full circle comes up from that time in Flourish and Blots when he gave her back the Transfiguration book. He slipped the diary in there, too. So... Really good stuff there. Uh, Harry confronts Lucius about giving Ginny the diary, and he like Lucius says, "Well, you can't prove it." And Dumbledore's like, well, "Of course not. He can't prove it. The, the diary's been destroyed." But like you know, he's like, I, "He's like, I should warn you against uh, uh, handing out any more of Lord Voldemort's old school things, Lucius. Uh, people may <laughs> people will be able to track you down." <laughs> so <laughs> thought that was pretty cool. Then uh, Harry tricks Lucius uh, into taking the diary with the sock on it. Uh, he throws it to the side. Dobby catches the sock, and now Dobby's a free house elf. Lucius goes to. Can you believe that Dumbledore doesn't even come out and try to protect Harry from Lucius Malfoy about to curse him? No, like an adult is about to attack a child, <laughs> and Dumbledore is just st- sitting there in the office watching the whole thing, thinking, "Oh, this will be fun." <laughs> even worse, he egged him on to do it, dude. He, he literally went back to ask for the diary, and Dumbledore was like, "Oh yes, you can just, have it. Just give it to exactly him." Exactly what he was doing. Oh yes, you can, sir. <laughs> and then so Lucius goes to attack him, and then Dobby shows us that powerful house elf magic that they were talking about very early in the book. 
when Fred and George, when they rescued Harry from the Dursleys, like when he was talking about, you know, how the house elves have powerful magic of their own, well, he put Lucius Malfoy on his ass, and that was awesome. Like to see that. Couldn't be Dumbledore, though. Dumbledore just let a kid get attacked by an adult. That's fine. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, um, it was. Now we also hear this is the cool part. The one I was telling you about earlier today, in page 339, the full circle clue Dobby gave to Harry back at the Dursleys. I'll actually read it in its entirety because it's right here at the end. And um, so he, when he was talking about, uh, he's like, I just got one question, Dobby, said Harry, as he pulled, uh, uh, as Dobby pulled on Harry's sock, shaking with his hand shaking. You told me all this had nothing to do with he who must not be named, remember? And Dobby said, it was a clue, sir. I was, was giving you a clue. The Dark Lord, before he changed his name, could be freely named, you see. So that was the thing. Was like, not he who must not be named. He was trying to give him the clue, saying it was Tom Riddle the whole time. And then uh, we find out on page 340 that Lucius Malfoy was fired as school governor. And then in page 341, the very last page of the entire book before I turn it over to Chase for his favorite moments... This is my one of my favorites because it's got my boys Fred and George in it. Ginny ends up telling <laughs> uh, telling the secret that Percy has a girlfriend, and then uh, Ginny says, "You won't tease him, will you?" And Fred says, "I wouldn't dream of it." While he was looking like his birthday had come early, definitely not," <laughs> said George, sniggering. So that's awesome. I thought that was pretty fun way to end my favorite moments from the time of the Rogue Bludger to the end of the book. I'm gonna pass it over to you, my dude. Take us through yours, and then we'll get into foreshadowed events from there, and we'll keep the train rolling. Yeah, man. I'll break a couple of these down. I won't break down much, but you know, ooh, I love the detail. When you can get inside the mind, <laughs> in the words of my boy Snape, I can teach you to bewitch the mind and ensnare the senses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds just like him. Oh yeah. Okay, here we go. So starting off in the dueling club, you kind of you really hit this one on the head, man. The biggest thing that stuck out to me was, especially for like the film, not to bring up all these differences, but the only thing they had was like Malfoy and and Harry in there when there was basically like a Fight Club. <laughs> it was, it was uh, Year Two Fight Club for all the twelve year olds. That's <laughs> what it was, man. It was badass. Then the biggest thing that stuck out to me here, besides, you know, the throwdown showdown, which it was good. I mean, we've seen better showdowns between Maven and Dolores. But anyways. They were 12 I years thought, old. It was their first spell they learned. <laughs> okay. Go ex, expelliarmus. All right. Wait till we get to ask a man. We're going to kick it up. A notch. Yes, we are. Yes, we <laughs> yeah. are. Oh yes! Uh, what did I say in that movie? The Enter. Next stop, Azkaban. That's right, baby. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, right. But the biggest thing I really thought was cool here because it related later. Um, what was that girl's name that Hermione was? Millicent like, Bulstrode. Millicent Bulstrode. Yeah. Um, and she was like writhing on the ground. She was holding her own for a minute. Choking her out, man. She was got her in it. They said that the wands were on the ground and she was choking her out. <laughs> it was so bad. It was it was so bad. Yeah, and they reminded me, you know what they reminded me of? This was the first time where I felt like they kinda did Lockhart justice when he threw off like his like whatever you call it. Like he revealed his uniform. It looked like they were fencing. Yeah. Like he had been fencing for forever. Um, so I thought that was really cool. 
uh, if I can find that part here, but yeah, it, uh, you know, once again, I thought it was really funny too how they were like expecting, they're like, oh yeah, please let it be anybody. And then anyone but him <laughs> when he walked out. And in the, in the book, it had this really cool, like gold stage that was really awesome but in the movie it was like some blue stage with crescent moons on it or some crap i don't, I don't know why um but yeah that's when you have that kind of iconic line in all the like cheesy trailers <laughs> where it is in the book though um but uh malfoy's like you scared potter and he's like you wish okay all right, we get it, guys. <laughs> Let's see what you got. Um, so that really stuck out to me there. Um, and of course, you know, those guys just go at it. Not to mention the biggest thing that stuck out in that entire scene is how much they cut out of it, really, in the movie, which we'll get into differences next week. Um, but uh, of course, you know, like you were saying, this is when we really find out, you know, Harry is a possum mouth. And I brought this up to you today. Problem I have with the movie. Big problem. Big, big problem. When in the world do we ever hear in the book that he says words that he says? I'm going to, just so you can, I can prove this because I like to back up everything, right? So this is the book version. This is, this is the book version. So what happens is, see if I can find it exactly okay so he says three two one go uh, he shouted Malfoy raised his wand quietly and bellowed Serpensortia the end of his wand exploded Harry watched the gas as a long black snake shot out of it fell heavily onto the floor between them and raised itself ready to strike there were screams as the crowd backed away swiftly clearing the floor don't move Potter said Snape lazily clearly enjoying the sight of Harry's standing motionless, eye to eye with the angry snake. I'll get rid of it. Allow me. Allow me, says Lockhart. <laughs> Remember, that's when he shoots it and it, like, blazes in the air. So it was even worse, because now it's, like, going towards everybody. And it's, like, angry, too, because, like, it got yeah. hit. Now it's, like, pissed. <laughs> exactly. Enraged, hissing furiously, slithered straight towards Justin Finch, fletchily and raised itself again, fangs exposed, poised to strike harry wasn't sure what made him do it all he knew was that his legs were carrying him forward though he was on casters and that he had shouted stupidly at the snake leave him alone and miraculous miraculously inexplicably the snake slumped to the floor uh decile is thick black garden hose its eyes now on harry Here's did you say decile it's docile like not docile. A, Can't read my <laughs> like, like it's like Can't not a threat to anybody writing. anymore i'm gonna go with some like decile yeah. <laughs> i know what you're you saying they yeah, had docile <laughs> well considering this relates to what i'm about to talk to you because apparently we just like to make up our own words in movies <laughs> nowadays because that's what we like to do Next time we're gonna shoot a foreign film and I'm supposed to speak Mandarin, I'm just gonna say American words backwards and we're gonna call it Mandarin. There you go. Yeah, that sounds like a great, great idea. Um, and then, so, you know, we don't have to go too much into this, but basically, you know, they were looking at him and they were really freaked out. 
but nowhere in here does it say anything like where in the world did that was I pretty good hey bro I, I gotta give you let me give you some props real quick man that was pretty good that was a good snake impression i, I you know that was pretty cool I didn't even look at the actual words I wrote down either. Of course, you wrote, of course you wrote the words I'm, down too. Oh my god! Are we just? <laughs> I hate using this word, and I, you know, I like to keep it real for all the all the audiences out there, all the ages. But are we just pulling words out of our ass? Is this what well, the thesaurus? The, the thesaurus? Now we're just making up our own shit, right? The fox. Just dropped off a fucking dictionary <laughs> right in the middle of the dueling lane, and we're over here just making up words for everybody. Someone please explain. I can understand if this was some B-rated Netflix film. You're a top, probably, I would say, at least top 50 franchise that's ever been made, and we're just making up words? We're making up words now. So that's really what stuck out to me out of this. Um, so moving right along, because I've heard enough of the Hacienda. Uh, next thing here. So, uh, this is kind of skipping forward a little bit. This is when, you know, he finds Tom Riddle's diary. Yeah. And remember, one thing that stuck out to me was, it was like just lying there on the bathroom floor. And remember, wasn't it Moaning Myrtle? They were in their bathroom and she saw it over there. And Ron was even, like, bringing up these different books. Like, one where, kind of like what Miss Weasley said, so you can see where this comes from. Yeah. He was like, you know, you can get a book. He mentioned one, I think it was, like, um, Serpent Sortia. Where, or no, no, that's probably what Malfoy said. But anyways, it was like a book where all he could do was keep his nose in it. Mm -hmm. like Had to do everything one-handed, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, okay. I get it. Like, if I... Here's my problem, right? If I am just walking around the bathroom and I see a book, yeah, I might pick it up and put it on the counter so the person that lost it can go in there and pick it up. Am I just going to start reading through some chick's diary? That's messed up, dude. Well, keep in <laughs> mind, in the book, it did have a spot where it said, and this is just off memory, I don't have it written down, but, like, he, he looked at the back of it and it said, TM Riddle, and he said like he felt some sort of connection to the name, so he felt like yeah. he had to he had to keep it. So I, I can I can forgive that. I can, I can see that I can pass that up. That doesn't bother me too much. I can I can see it. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and then remember that's kind of when we start having that memory there, um, which this was like a big part of the book was the whole Hagrid expulsion, right? That yep. we were talking about in Sorcerer's Stone. The movie just like whatever, like they brought it up one time, like one little time when this was such like a huge part here. And on top of that, you start getting the feeling, you start suspecting because you almost think that it's Hagrid that actually opened up the Chamber of Secrets on accident, um, which was a really big moment there. Um, and so looking here for you. That's right. So, yeah, sorry. I had picked up my Hossie Heth and got it mixed up with <laughs> what I was actually looking for. Um, but then, uh, so, we kind of have here, 
after this point. Uh, let's see who we're at. This is where we have kind of going through here real quick. Give me just a second. Um, this is when Hermione. I wanted to. Say, I didn't want to jump ahead. This is what happened. But Hermione starts. Uh, you kind of find out that she has gotten petrified at this point, right? Or this is when I or did I jump a little too far? There. I mean, um, th- these are your favorite moments, bro. Like, so like they can be whatever you want them to be. Like that is a little bit. That that there's a pretty good gap between finding out what happened to Hagrid and Hermione getting uh, petrified. Yeah. But, uh, because yeah, that, that's a little ways, but. Um, looking here. So, okay, so... Okay, I found my spot. So, here we are. So, now at this point, right... Uh, is when we yeah this is when because like to just to give you a, a context bro right after what happens in the diary where he goes back in time and sees everything what happened with Hagrid then it goes like they have to go see Hagrid and they're going to like Cornelius Fudge's like like that's when Cornelius that's Fudge comes in yeah 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 um, and remember that's when they kind of go there uh, and the biggest thing that really stuck out in my mind was of course you had Cornelius Fudge was the first time this was introduced. Yeah, I had kind of all those crazy color clothes. And uh, the first time you meet him, he's just like, bad business, Hagrid. Bad, bad business. business. <laughs> and I remember Ron was like, that's my dad. That's my dad's boss. Yep. <laughs> so, like, clearly this guy is a big deal. Um, and then, you know, you kind of really find out that it's Lucius that's really behind this whole thing. Um, at least getting Dumbledore kicked out because thing remember like Cornelius was taken aback he he didn't want Dumbledore to be gone he's like he's like 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 not like this is not a good time for you guys to to uh, kick Dumbledore out and, and then Lucius is like well the uh, the governors do not operate under like the minute this is not a ministry uh, situation the governors make the final choice and I've got all twelve of their signatures so like like Malfoy wasn't behind Hagrid so much as he was behind getting Dumbledore sacked yeah. Uh, okay, so I found my spy here, but one thing I did want to mention that I kind of skipped over uh, for just a moment was he did remember Harry um, when he was going through that situation where then he saw uh, nearly headless Nick was like petrified. And that was like a crazy thing to see because he was like horizontal with the black smoke coming out. And that was wild because I've never seen a ghost petrified uh, before. But then, you know, Harry goes into the sorting hat and then he keeps asking him, do you think like I'm really in the right house? And, you know, he was like, no, I, <laughs> the sorting hat kind of is a tool at this point and was saying, no, I stand by what I said. You would have done great in Slytherin. And he was like, you're wrong. Uh, so he does kind of really stand up for himself. Um, but back to where we are, you know, uh, one kind of moment here besides thieves like you were saying breaking into a song um i did want to say uh you know ernie like loses his shit here um and thieves when you were yeah he broke into a song but right before that he was like freaking out and they were all like another attack no mortal of ghosts is safe run for your life attack (laughs) attack causing a panic over the place yeah Yeah. he's causing a panic 
Yeah, so I was just kind of sitting there. Uh, this is what I was looking for. So the polyjuice potion. Um, this is where I was saying, you know, it was just so much more in depth in the book. Like, you really do have that feeling like you were saying that, wow, they're literally in pain here as they're, they're changing. Um, and remember when they're going to Malfoy's, one thing that really stuck out to me here, definitely foreshadowing, you know, um, Malfoy was like, uh, my dad told me the chamber's been open once before, 50 years ago, and the last time a mudblood died, and Malfoy was like, I hope it's Granger. And then Ron <laughs> was like freaking out. Um, so that's definitely like a big foreshadowed moment. Um, and then, you know, like I was saying, when uh, they were in Dumbledore's office, you had, like, the first time you ever saw Fox, he was, like, super old and decrepit and just, like, burst into flame. It's like, okay, all right. And then he, <laughs> okay. like, comes up from the ash, and you're like, all right, this is kind of cool. But let's talk about the fact he, like, grows, like, full growth. Game of Thrones, it took, like, five seasons for that. Like, literally two months later, he's full grown again. But yeah, you know, healing powers and all that stuff, but Dumbledore is so like nonchalant about that stuff. Um, and uh, one thing that did stick out, especially in the books, right, um, was when they were using the Polyjuice Potion, was they put those cupcakes that um, were like chocolate cupcakes on the banisters. And then, you know, they pushed like, after they fell asleep, Crab and Goyle into the cupboard. And then you had in the show, they're just like throwing some cupcakes in front of them so they can grab them. Some like, chocolate. They made, yeah, they made them like cupcakes. levitate and they're like, oh, look at these levitating cupcakes. Like, that was yeah. weird. That was really weird. Yeah, you're not going to like ask yourself, like, what's up? Why is it floating in front of my face? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's going on with these levitating cupcakes in front of me, right? Um,. Like you said, the password for Slytherin common room was pure blood. Okay, that's original. Classic. Um, <laughs> cl classic, classic. Um, and uh, over here, let's see. You know, that's when, like you were saying, Malfoy, one thing that really stuck out when they were talking to Malfoy was he threw down that paper of that article of Arthur Weasley getting fined. <laughs> like his own dad. like 50 Ron's galleons, bro. He doesn't have 50 galleons to spare. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it goes back to Malfoy when he's always like, your new robe or new books. New books, Weasley. That means your family can't eat for weeks. <laughs> yeah, so messed up. Um... You know, uh, Malfoy tells both of them, by the way, that the uh, last person that opened it, of course, um, went to, uh, I guess, the first time, right, uh, that a mudblood died, but they're still in Azkaban prison. Um, and then, like you said, there is the secret chamber. Uh, but like you were saying, at this point, this is kind of when we jumped into... Um, this is back where I was with the, the secret diary, but Myrtle in the bathroom, um, she, just like you said, she is kind of freaking out at this moment. And one thing they did 
say, which was kind of cool, that Gildery Lockhart definitely, I guess, Granger is his favorite. He, like, did you remember when he sent Granger... The get like well soon card recovery letter yeah yeah or something like that so that really stuck out and i was like okay like that's because like that yeah that like, was after like she had like and I, i've got a pothole issue with that but like uh when she got turned into the cat and she was getting better in the hospital wing and he sent her get well soon that's the one you're talking about right yeah, yeah. that was the one mm-hmm. yeah and i kind of feel like because of that like maybe he sent that because this is when he starts to feel like he's kind of losing the other headmistresses and headmasters. Like maybe they don't quite respect him as much. You but mean teachers? Because there's only one headmaster, my dude. <laughs> yeah, headmaster. Yeah, but sorry, I'm thinking of McGonagall later on, <laughs> much later on. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah, gotcha. teachers, professor. You see what I'm saying? Um, but like I was about to say, Myrtle. I gotta say, the actress did a phenomenal job. She looked just like the way I pictured her. She's probably the only one. Uh, But in the bathroom, she was like, let's all throw the books at Myrtle because she can't feel it. (laughs) 10 points if you can get it through her stomach. 50 points if you can get it through her head. (laughs) What a lovely game, don't you think? Who Who threw it anyways, asked Harry. I don't know. I was just sitting... Sitting up and thinking about death, and it felt right through the top of my head," said Myrtle, glaring at him. "It's over the. It got washed. It got washed out." And Harry and Ron looked over at the sink, where Myrtle was panting, and a small, thin book was laying there. And it had that shabby black co- cover, and was at, as wet as everything else in the bathroom. Like that's what I was saying, though. Like if I saw some black book that was like, I get it. It's Tom Riddle's diary. Is laying in the bathroom. Maybe I would pick it up in the counter. Am I just gonna lean down and be like, "Oh, that's mine. That's mine now." Really cool, Harry. Really cool. <laughs> I'd love to leave my wallet there and see if it survives. <laughs> but I can come back and get that bad boy later. Um, but one thing, remember, he opened the diary and there was no writing in it, which was cool. Um, it was portrayed pretty well, I would say on screen because i did like the fact like the writing would disappear but one thing in the book that really got me was remember he was like sucked into it almost like gravity like i always think of like almost like a a black hole or if you're catching up to time well i made the like the uh uh, what do you call the comparison earlier to like the pensieve when you look into it and it it sucks you into the pensieve it was very similar to that when he put his eye up to like the little television screen in the top corner where it had the day and it sucked him in yeah. like that. So it was very similar to like, I know we haven't gotten to the Pensieve yet. That's a foreshadow for future books, but it's very similar to that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and uh, this is kind of when he starts asking, you know, Tom Riddle more questions. Like, um, what do you know about the Chamber of Secrets? Which, by the way, one thing I pointed out in the film, right? <laughs> like, as Harry's writing... He's saying what he's writing like we're all like none of us have common sense what do you know about maybe it was for like people who have like uh what's it called like vision problems and they can't see so maybe so? maybe could be yeah i could buy it i could buy it <laughs> all right here i i can buy it i can i'll, I'll accept it, for <laughs> it is. um but uh one thing this is when i was kind of starting to say about like the gravity kind of things is this 
The pages of the diary began to blow as though caught through a whirlwind. Stopping halfway through the month of June, mouth hanging open, Harry saw that the little square for June 13th seemed to have turned into a minuscule television screen. Just like you were saying. So that brings up your point. So, yeah, just really cool moments there. Um, Kind of just moving a little bit forward. Uh, This is when, you know... I'll bring this up later in one of my interesting facts, but Hermione was reading kind of like ancient ruins and um, she mentions uh, that you know this is when the diary winds up getting stolen um, like you were saying but then we get to the point of this is where I was saying you know Hermione gets petrified because McGonagall stops the match in the film she stops it before anyone's on the ground. In the book, I thought was really cool because everyone was in the air and she was already on the megaphone. <laughs> like, get your ass down here. Not happening today, which that'll lead into another one of my interesting facts later on. Um, but on the megaphone, she's like, all students are to make their way back to the house common rooms where their heads of houses will give them further information as qui- as quickly as you can, please. And remember, this is when it starts getting scary because she was saying, you know, if something doesn't change, Hogwarts could close down. Um, which kind of goes into what we were talking about. I was talking about a little bit on an introduction last episode. Think about, like, kind of what happened this year. Like, think about before March. Go back to December, right? Everyone was really on top of the world. And then come March, the entire world was shut down. So it was just like that. Like, everyone was on top of their game. No one thinks it would happen. And now, even in Hogwarts, you got all these rules up here. Like, going to the point of people can't even go visit people that are sick in the infirmary. Because you're having to put these rules up just to make sure everyone's safe. Just like, you know, you have lockdowns. Or now everyone has to wear masks. But think of how long... We're locked down and you go to the store, can't even get toilet paper. Yep. Like, that's what I'm saying, man. It's just crazy. Good comparison. Uh, I like it. Everything fits in. Um, from here, uh, you know, this is where you were saying, you know, Harry and Ron throw on the invisibility cloak and they come out and see uh, Cornelius Fudge. Um, and he was like, good evening, Hagrid. It was Dumbledore. He entered and looked deadly serious and was followed by a second burial looking man. The stranger had rumpled gray hair and an anxious expression and was wearing a strange mixture of clothes, a pinstripe suit, a scarlet tie, long black cloak, a pointed purple boots. Under his arm, he carried a lime green bowler. I remember he kept like fiddling with it, um, which really drew my attention. That's when Ron was like, that's dad's boss. Uh, Ron Reed, uh, Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic. Um, and uh, like you were saying, this was when, you know, Lucius, after all this, because they were, you know, he was saying, Cornelius, that Hagrid's reputation precedes him, and it would just be like cautionary if he went to Azkaban. But they got to take him because his hands are tied. Well, then Lucius comes in, and it's like a double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> because. You know, then he got all the governors on board to suspend Dumbledore, and Dumbledore is just like, okay, which the entire time everyone knew he knew 
he knew who was behind that invisibility cloak. He knew they were in there. So think about this too. I would say Dumbledore knew this was going to happen because <laughs> otherwise, when are the kids going to leave? Like, how are they going to just walk on out of there? You got like, you got three very important people. One not cool at all, I would say, but three really big people. And no one's going to wonder, like, what you're doing just at Hagrid's late at night? Yeah, that shit doesn't look suspicious at all. So I think Dumbledore had this planned out. Um, and he goes with Lucius, and then we're getting into Aragog, because, you know, um, in the book, though, they saw the spider trail in Herbology class, is where it was. Whereas in the film, they're just seeing spiders right out Hagrid's hut. If they were there before, don't you think Ron, that was apparently scared stiffless, supposed to be, would have said something when they've been there for 30 minutes? Yeah, we got a lot to get into for the differences for sure, bro. The next week, there's a lot of differences. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, really? But um, yeah, one thing I really did like was in... The book, uh, they were taken there, like, really against their will, um, versus we'll talk about differences next week for how that happened, but um, just like you were saying, this was pretty intense because, you know, they kind of thought Aragog, you know, like you said, he was like the size of a small elephant, but he was really loyal to Hagrid, so they felt like they're almost gaining, giving, gaining his trust here, right? And then Harry's like, well, we'll just go ahead and leave now. And then Aragog was like, like you said, you know, I said because of Hagrid, I wouldn't harm him or any of his friends, but how can I deny my brothers and sisters fresh meat? This reminded (laughs) me of like, this reminded me of the time, like, just to make a funny comparison, he's like, all right, we'll just be leaving now. No, 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 you haven't confessed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I haven't done that one in a while. Uh, Mandalorian 2 coming up next year. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, baby. Um, and one thing I did want to point out, there was a ridiculous part when they were in the car in the movie. And, like, Harry shoots the spell. I think he said... Oh. I want to say he said Expelliarmus. I know he didn't say Spectrum Patronum. He's not there yet. But he, like, shoots the spell through Ron's head, and it knocks the spider out. How is Ron still living if you just shot that bad boy through the window? Please explain. I, I'm waiting to hear. But um, one thing I did have, and I'm throwing the great debate card on this, Slaypest. In their prime. And this gives a little preview for what's coming up in 2021. In their prime, who would you have? You know where this is going. Would you have Aragog or would you have Shelob? Ooh. Ooh. Didn't see that coming, did you? No. She always. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> she always. Man, her, that's. Her victim stiff before she. Before she feasts. <laughs> I smell men flesh. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I'm trying to think, like, if we're going like a like a fight against them, like you know, if it was Aragod versus Shelob, 
Shelob's got that really crazy like stinger on the back of her butt, but at the yeah. same time, Aragog's the size of a small elephant. Shelob is not the size of a small elephant. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like, Aragog was going blind. I know it was because like that was how I was describing. But you said in their primes, golly. That's the thing, I mean, like, because I most people would be like, oh, well, Aragog would lose because he's slow and old. Well, no. That's uh, why I say in their primes, right? You got to take this but back 50 years The ago. thing is, is like we never really see, because remember he said it doesn't, he'd like be out of respect for Hagrid, he doesn't hurt humans. So it's like we don't really yeah. see it ever attack anything or eat anything. So it's very, very tough for me to make it in a really well Where we see Shelob, like she's just got bones of prey in her little cave up there. So I'm just going to go Shelob because I've seen what she can do. Aragog, that we don't ever see him in action. So because I can't give a good argument for Aragog outside of his size, I'm going to go with Shelob. Man, this is so tough, too, because I feel like Aragog could just squash her ass. Um... <laughs> I'm going to go with Shelob, too, because Shelob was fast. Keep keep that in mind. Like, she was very fast. <laughs> Mr. Frodo. <laughs> Sam, stupid Sam. <laughs> stupid Sam. And, like, you saw how yeah, fast, like, she would, like, jab down that needle off her butt. Like, that thing was, and that thing could, like, paralyze you. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Man. Yeah. That's what I would say, just because, now, here's here's my thing. Like, if we were talking about, like, say other things get involved, like other family members that get called, then I would probably choose Aragog. But if it's a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, let's see who's got it, <laughs> spider fighting, baby, I, I would definitely uh, choose Sheila. But yeah, 2021, man, they picked up a trail. <laughs> Lord of the Rings coming yeah, at wait. you. That's some, that's some breaking news. <laughs> breaking news in 2021. <laughs> we'll be tackling Lord of the Rings. Well, hey, I mean... You know, we got to see how close these people pay attention. Easter That's right. Eggs, baby. Got Easter, Easter eggs. eggs. Drop them for the people. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, Is that card burned? Oh, uh, that card's already off in the shadow room. Boom. Man. Throw it <laughs> out there. The burn, room. baby, burn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to burn up. Anyways, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Tom, Tom Riddle's letters. That's what's burning. Um, but, yeah, so then... They find out, you know, after some things wind up happening, that Hagrid really didn't open the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, that really stood out. Um, and after, you know, they were saved by Mr. Weasley's car that was all banged up, that just randomly got there. Um, and then, you know, uh, they remember a big piece was they realize Moaning Myrtle was the girl from 50 years ago, which this all kind of comes full circle, which is what I loved about this book was it felt almost like a mystery book. Like you had that fantasy vibe, but when everything starts coming together, that's when it really picks up, which by the way, most ridiculous scene um, when they're doing the memory over in the, uh, movie remember like myrtle's body is on the stretcher like what was that about okay all right not to mention it's not like they even pointed that out but everyone like knew who it was but all of a sudden you just got people on stretchers now <laughs> is that what's happening all right I'll, I'll go with it i'll go with it because i'm a nice guy 
because I'm a nice guy. It's like uh, Dave Portnoy's pizza reviews. <laughs> That's right. Goodbye. Shout out Dave. Goodbye. That's right. Dave, Dave, love my boy Dave. Um, Chamber of Secrets. This is when it gets to the good stuff, man. Um, one thing I did love, which this wasn't very important, but Professor McGonagall told them exams are still back on. <laughs> And they were all complaining about it. And they were like, the only reason this school is open is for your education. So I expect everyone who's studying and studying hard. And relating to today's kind of situation, I kept thinking of all those kids that are probably having to do online school. Yep. Or like if you... <laughs> Like an Eric Cartman that was like so stoked to not have to go to school. Man, why would I want to go to school? <laughs> go to school. And then they're like, I hope you're preparing because you got a test on Monday. <laughs> Felt so bad for all those kids. Um, so at, at this point, you know, um, that's when you were kind of saying it, it really does pick up here. And this is the biggest thing that kind of sticks out was remember. Uh, I guess uh, Jenny at this point, right, um, is taken into the chamber, and they say it was Jenny Weasley, and Lockhart was, like, ganged up on by every professor in the world, and they were like, oh, it's your specialty, perfect timing, this is what you've been waiting for, and, like, no one in their right mind stuck up for him. I felt so bad. On top of the fact, can we answer this question? I got a question for you that I asked earlier. Did they even give a shit about Jenny? They thought her ass was grass, man. They weren't sending anyone legitimately down there. The person you sent down there that you expect is going down there. It's a 12-year-old boy and his 12-year-old friend that has to convince a fraud who is in the back already packing his bags to bounce. He was already heading to South Africa, baby. He was going to be anywhere near Hogwarts. So there is nowhere in their right mind that I sit there and believe that they actually had a plan on saving Jenny. They thought her skeleton would lie in that chamber just like the prophecy said so. What do you think on that? Yeah, I think that they probably thought when she was taken, she was already dead when they like when she was brought in there. It's like like, and her chain, her her skeleton will lie in the chamber for for all eternity, or whatever it said on the wall. So they probably were like, oh, she's already dead and just laying down there. Like nothing we can do. She's already gone. So I'm assuming that's what they thought. But like you're right, they know and it's like, well, let's go investigate and make sure. But at the same time, no one knew where the entrance to the chamber was, right? Like Harry and Ron knew, but they didn't pop out and say, "Hey, teachers, this is what's happening." They kept it to themselves. So I don't know. I think because they knew they would probably would have been stopped. Like they wouldn't have been able to go down there. They would have be like, "All right, well, we'll take care of it from there." So and then nothing would have happened, and Ginny would have really died. So that's my <laughs> hypothesis. So <laughs> really class act. You got some of the, you're known. You're like the top school in the world. Keep in mind, we're not very known here in America from what I shared a couple of episodes ago. You got the top, you got the top wizard witchcraft school in the world. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're fine on your, you're on on your own. You're already in the hole there. <laughs> okay, good luck. They don't know, they don't know where the entrance is. They're like, well, we don't know. Dumbledore couldn't find it. We can't find it. Sorry, Jenny. <laughs> 
Have a good one. <laughs> no, I noticed no one really bothered to search for it either. Did you notice that out of all the <laughs> protocols they were doing? They really took time to search that bathroom. I don't think I ever recalled anyone was in the bathroom except for when they told Didn't see one you. adult in that bathroom. <laughs> what? I said I didn't see one adult in that bathroom. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, unless they were megaphoning Harry to get out with Ron. <laughs> Nobody was going anywhere near that bathroom. <laughs> Place I already had the caution tape over it, baby. <laughs> That's right. But um, this goes back to what you're saying. I do want to read this quote, which you kind of already said, just because it goes to show it's a reminder of the reason I love Lockhart so much is because every time he can never take any responsibility. Because every time something goes bad, he wants to make the opposing person look like they're stupid. Like, they're stupid they even guess something like that. And, uh, they go, Harry goes, you mean you're running away? Said Harry, disbelieving. After all the stuff you did in your books? Books can be misleading, said Lockhart delicately. You wrote them, Harry shouted. My dear boy, said Lockhart, straightening up and frowning at Harry. Do use your common sense. My books wouldn't have sold half as well if people didn't think I'd done all those things. No one wants to read about some ugly old American war Armenian warlock, even if he did save a village from werewolves. He looked dreadful on the front cover. No dress, uh, no dress at all. No, no dress, dress sense at all. No, no dress sense. No dress sense at all. Dress sense at all. There you go. Uh, yeah, Jane Nellie with the rebound. I <laughs> got you, dog. <laughs> Gotcha, bro. And the witch who banished the abandoned banshee had a hair lip. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, he was, like, just giving his stuff away at that point. But even worse, now he's trying to sound like it was a it was a genius business decision to do that. And that's why he's so much smarter than everybody. Now he's trying to give an economics lesson. <laughs> it's, it's genius. It's fantastic. Um, so moving right along from here, a uh, big moment at this point is, uh, remember, they ask Myrtle how she died, and um, you went into this a good bit, but she was just like, it was really played out well in the film, I thought, too, but she was like, oh, it was dreadful, said with relish, it happened right here, uh, direct in this very stall. I remember it so well. I'd hidden because Olive Hornby was teasing me about my glasses. The door was locked and I was crying and then I heard somebody come in. They said something funny, a different language. I think it must have been. Anyways, what really got me was it was a boy speaking. So I unlocked the door to tell him to go and use his own toilet. And then Myrtle swelled and Importantly, her face shining. I died. <laughs> like, that was it. And I felt so bad for her. But, and this was even just, this was straight out of the book, too. So, like, the girl in the film did really well. And then remember, she was like, they were like, how? They were like, that doesn't even make any sense. You just die from opening the bathroom stall. Well, no they idea. <laughs> yeah well no i was just gonna say like they did know because they know what the basilisk's uh abilities are they figured it out in that paper yeah. that hermione had but yeah 
yeah, just trying to get her to prove a point is really what's happening. And she was like, no idea, said Myrtle, hushed tones. I just remember seeing a pair of great big yellow eyes. My whole body sort of seized up, and then I was floating away. <laughs> just like you said, that was perfect. Uh, I love Myrtle. She's the best. Moaning Myrtle. Is she going to crack your top five at the end of the arc, do you think? <laughs> Can't. I probably will, but the problem was, yeah, I didn't even consider her, because is she really a magical creature? No, I'm not talking magical creature, I'm talking about at the end of this arc, when we finish Harry uh, Potter, when we do our final list of favorite characters, is she going to crack your top five favorite characters in the whole series? That's tough. We'll that's see, tough. I guess we'll she find out then, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it a secret, we'll find out then. Keep the people she wanting more, Chase. That, that's tough, because there's so many, so many... There, there's one much later on you'll find out about, you know, if you're a Sixth Sense kind of person, I see <laughs> dead people. Big fan of. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, so this is when, uh, back at this point, we start kind of really diving into the whole chamber situation, I would say. Um, and this is this part was really cool because when they opened it up, remember Harry in the books like he had to almost convince himself like so he could speak possible tongue to it that the snake was moving like he was like enhanced in the situation and he found it like under the pipe or sort of thing i can't remember how they described it like under yeah the like there was a scratch like a like a kind of like in the copper tap like someone had like carved in like what looked like a snake and he had to basically pretend to himself that it was real to be able to say the words yeah so i thought i thought that was really cool um, and, you know, uh, just this kind of moment here was when they get down into the, the chamber, remember Lockhart like tries to cast a memory charm with Ron's like spellotaped wand and like, as he cast it, he's like, obliviate, but it explodes back <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it doesn't even really say anything in the book at first. It just says the wand exploded with the force of a small bomb. Harry flung his arms over his head and ran, slipping over the coils of the snakeskin. Out of the way, great chunks of tunnel ceiling that were thundering to the floor. Next moment, he was standing alone, gazing at a solid wall of broken rock. So it's like he wasn't even really there. But at least in the movie, later he was like... <laughs> And who are you? <laughs> and what am I doing here? So I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, that's why I definitely think Ron's wand is stopping like halfway through. Um, kind of scooting up here, uh, when we jump into chapter 17, The Heir of Slytherin, the first thing I thought of, because remember, Jenny's at the end of that tunnel, was Enrique Iglesias finally found you. <laughs> oh, he was looking for her. Looking for his girl, man. And I well, keep in mind too, chamber. like he had to enter like another chamber after that. Like there was another like stone of snakes that yeah. he had to like reopen with that same word, and then then he got into that big like like big chamber that I'll say like the main chamber where everything was. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, I was, I was gonna say that. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's why I was just about to say it was. I stole his thunder, guys. My apologies. <laughs> Oh, you're good, you're good. What I was going to say about it, um, the reason I brought the Ginny thing up with the Enrique Iglesias song, 
Which, you know, I always say this here, but it really would be an awesome idea. Imagine if they did build the Chamber of Secrets as a Horror Nights house, and in the chamber you had Ginny that was lying on the floor, and then you had the Basilisk that was, like, coming out. Dude, that would be so sick. That would be so cool. That would but, be cool. I, I don't know. A lot of ideas floating up there, you know, you know, that's what that's what people do, man. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we see him somewhere one day. <laughs> Remember the little guys, everybody. That's right. <laughs> where it came from. That's right. Um, yeah, but uh, so uh, this is what you were describing, though, that I thought was really cool. Um, so it says here that the chamber itself loomed into view, standing against the back wall. Here he had to. Had to crane his neck to look up into the giant face above. It was an ancient monkeyish, is the way they described it, which is kind of odd. But monkeyish with a long, thin beard that fell almost to the bottom of the wizard's sleep, uh, sweeping stone robes, where two enormous gray feet stood on the smooth chamber floor, and between the feet, face down, lay a small black robed figure with flaming red hair. Jenny! finally found you foreshadowing baby foreshadowing and remember he's like please don't be dead jenny oh dear lord no one came for you but me that's basically harry doesn't even like her at this point like he like is just trying to help out a family friend (laughs) that is true yeah i I do i don't know yeah because like we know like not to get too far ahead of ourselves we know who he really likes uh, in the next coming book so yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah, I guess we are getting a little too ahead of ourselves on that one. <laughs> About six more years in the making. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Or I guess uh, five, really. But um, So at this point, this is when I really wrote down and mentioned, I did really like how you were saying, like, the interaction with Tom Riddle. He almost comes off as, like, this kind of cocky tool bag, honestly. And he was like talking to him. And I, I do think it was really cool the way he's portrayed at first because he kind of like sees like, you know, the slender man with black hair down the end of the call. And he was like, Are you a ghost? And I just imagine thinking, like, say, remember Zelda, like Orcarina of Time or something, where you had to run up the stairs towards the final boss, or like Severoth in Final Fantasy, like he's just waiting for you in the final room. That's what I really was picturing here. Um, But that's when, you know, Tom Riddle was saying the whole time, this wasn't a plan to really take Jenny. It was a plan to get Harry down here. And Harry, you know, was just really falling into that plan, really. Well, it was it was to actually take physical form. So Jenny, Jenny was necessary because that's how he was even able to like come out. He's like, remember, he was like, I was pouring bits of my soul into her. That's what I wanted was her soul because like he wanted to take physical form again. So basically, he was trading a life for a life. Like he was gonna let her die, and with her dying, would have brought him back to real life out of that diary. So yeah, that that makes yeah, that's true. I was just talking about when he was like, he was, he was like, Jenny told me about you, Harry, said Riddle, your whole fascinating history. His eyes roved over the lightning scar on Harry's forehead, and their expression grew hungrier. I knew I must find out more about you, talk to you, meet you if I could. So I uh, devailed, I, I 
I can't read that writing again. But to show you my famous capture of that great oath Hagrid to gain your trust. So, like, it was all really a plan, though, like, to get Harry involved yeah. in the situation. Yeah, because he, he wanted to know the secret that I told I, I figured he's like, that's what he wanted to know is why he couldn't kill Harry. And right. Harry gave him everything he wanted because he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then this is, after all that's happened, just like you said, one of my favorite moments, which I thought they did really cool in the film, like you said. But like he changed his uh, name, and it was Tom Marvolo Riddle to I Am Voldemort. And it was in, like, the fire, and it rearranged, like, the almost like smoking letters that were on fire, which was really cool. Um and then he says, well, said Riddle, smiling pleasantly, how is it that you, a skinny boy with no extraordinary magical talent, managed to defeat the greatest wizard of all time? How did you escape with nothing but a scar while Lord Voldemort's powers were destroyed? And then that's when you start getting that idea. And he says, there was an odd red gleam in his hungry eyes now. Why do you care how I escaped, said Harry slowly. Voldemort was after your time. Voldemort, said Riddle softly, is my past, present, and future Harry Potter. And that's like a, that was that cool kind of iconic line um, when he changed those letters there. So I thought it was really cool. Um, and then <laughs> the one part I will break down is, so after like the Basilisk is like released, right? <laughs> you got Fox that really kind of kicks ass here, I would say. Which, big problem, we'll talk about next episode on differences, because I really like the book version of Fox. The film, they're like, we're just dropping off hats out of nowhere, like we're owls. We're just dropping off hats nowadays. Okay, alright. But, um, uh, it says, so, after, you know, the fight really starts going down, and you know, the basilisk, like you said, comes out that's just massive. Um, what they say it was like the size of an oak or something, right? Yeah. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. The size, yeah. like, uh, in terms of width, like the size of an oak tree. Like, that's how wide it was. Of- yeah. Like I said, it even said in the book, like, it could swallow, like, hairy whole. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, what I was saying. Just, like, massive. Yeah. But I did think it was cool, like, Fox, like, had, and it was another difference, right? But, like, I guess like sings music. It reminded me of like what Obi Wan was riding on that reptilian thing in Star Wars Episode Three, because like she's like singing as she like let it down. It just says music was coming from somewhere. Riddle whirled around, to stare down the empty chamber. The music was growing louder. It was eerie, spine tingling, unearthly. It lifted the hair off Harry's scalp and made his heart feel as though it was swelling to twice its normal size. Then as the music reached such a pitch that Harry felt it's vibrating inside his own ribs, flames erupted at the top of the nearest pillar. A crimson crimson bid the size of a swoon had appeared, piping its weird music to the vaulted uh, ceiling. It had a glittering golden tail as long as a peacock's and gleaming golden talons, uh, which lure gripping a ragged bundle. Like, that's so cool. That's such a... Uh, badass animal i would say and then um that's when you know fox drops the sorting hat at harry's feet and this is a big moment because in the book another difference here like it's really like harry's desperate here because things haven't been going his way in the battle 
Tom Riddle's taking his wand. Like, he's, like, armless. So you got the most powerful wizard of all time with your wand, with two wands, a basilisk in a chamber. Your hopefully girl at some point, or the girl you came here for, really has no chance because she's already lying there on the floor, not responding really very much at all. And then suddenly this like hat comes out of nowhere right so you're kind of just sitting here like i need some help like someone help me like i got nothing going on and then it said and that said real now eyeing that ragged thing that fox had drops that old sorting hat so it was patched frayed and dirty that hat lay motionless at harry's feet riddle to laugh again he began to laugh like how pompous he was so hard that the dark chamber rang with it, as though ten riddles were laughing at once. This is what Dumbledore sends his defender? A songbird and an old hat. Do you feel brave, Harry Potter? Do you feel safe now? I kept thinking of, do you feel lucky, punk? <laughs> do you? You feel lucky, punk? <laughs> yeah! And then it says, now, Harry, I'm going to teach you a little lesson. Let's match the powers of Lord Voldemort, heir of Salazar Slytherin, against the famous Harry Potter and the best weapon Dumbledore can give him. And But at this moment, uh, you know, and, and well, he has a, a big monologue here, but that's not really important. But the point was, is Harry at this moment is just horror struck. Um, and it said, Harry saw his mouth opening wider and wider to make that huge black hole when the basilisk um, was out. And there was that loud, explosive spitting, uh, waiting for the fangs as they're, they're coming towards him uh, to sink through his body. And he heard more mad hissing. Like, you would be petrified at this place. And then in the film, I thought it was kind of cool, but it wasn't as clean. I like how clean it was in the book. In the film, like, this basilisk thing was just running into walls and stuff. Like, I felt like it was the Bowser of uh, Super Mario. Like, what is going on up here? But yeah, it says, you know, something was thrashing wildly off through the pillars, and he couldn't help it. He opened his eyes wide enough to squint at what was going on. The enormous serpent, bright, poisonous green, thick as an oak trunk, like you said, had raised itself high in the air, and its great blunt head was waving drunkenly between the pillars as Harry trembled. Ready to close his eyes if it turned, he saw what had distracted the snake. Fox! Here we go, baby! Woo! Hadouken! A special attack on your ass! So Fox soars around its head and the basilisk was like snapping back and forth, remember? But in the books, this is so cool. Because <clears throat> I love this part. It says, It was furiously snapping at him with the fangs. Long and thin like sabers as Fox dived. His long golden beak sank out of sight and a sudden shower of dark blood splattered on the floors. So I just picture almost like a slasher flick. You have this David and Goliath thing and this little, not a little phoenix, but you're definitely not picking this bad boy to win. Almost like if you had picked, um, let's say you picked... I would say probably Muhammad Ali with... No, who is that guy? He fought... Um, uh, I guess you could say Muhammad Ali and Frazier. I guess you could say that. But yeah, let's just say someone like really... David and Goliath. We'll go with that. Just comes out of nowhere. 
And there is no, like, punch-for-punch, blow-for-blow. Blood just splatters on the floor. And you're like, okay, we got this now, baby. Oh, yeah, time to remake it. So this is when Harry's like, okay, I need some help. I'm going to help this bad boy. I think I can do some help in here. So, and then it says, the snake's tail thrashed narrowly, missing Harry before Harry could shut his eyes. It turned. Harry looked straight into its face and saw that its eyes, both its great bulbous yellow eyes, had been punctured by the phoenix. Blood was streaming to the floor and the snake was spitting in agony. Harry, desperate in this, finds and gets the sorting hat. So the basculist like swept this hat towards him versus in the film, like it just gets dropped off next to him. No, there's a reason it gets there because there's a reason things happen in life. So it gets like swept towards him. So he does get kind of lucky, but he sees it, right? And like grabs it flat on the floor with the basilisk tail like writhing away. This is when he's like, help me, help me here, he thought. His eyes screwed tight under the hat. Please help me. There was no answer in his voice. Instead, the hat contracted as though an invisible hand was squeezing it very tightly. Something very hard, heavy, thudded on top of what, of Harry's head, almost knocking him out. Stars winking on front of his eyes. He grabbed the top of the hat and pulled it off. So he had the hat on his head. It's not just laying on the ground. And he felt something long and hard. Beneath it, Malice in the Chalice. Long ago. Anyway, it's beneath it. A gleaming silver sword had appeared inside the hat, its handle glittering with rubies the size of eggs. And then this is in the background. Like he's thinking, grab this thing because you have kill the boy, leave the bird, the boy is behind you. And then he's like, smell him. So Tom's like freaking out. But this is when, like, Harry's finally, like, we got this. And, of course, we know what happened was the basilisk lunged at him again. And this time, uh, this is when Harry... This was really cool in the film, I will say. This is the part I thought was really awesome. Like, shoves the sword through the head. And you're just like, K.O. Ooh. Someone hit their special move right here. Just shoved it right through his head. And the whole weight behind the sword drove it into a hilt into the root of the serpent's mouth but as the warm blood drenched harry's arms he felt a searing pain just above the elbow one long poisonous fang was sinking deeper and deeper into his arm as it splintered as the basilisk keeled over sideways and fell twitching on the floor which we know what happens at at this point right you know harry's there and you had tom riddle that was like yeah, basically, I lost my basilisk, but sitting here basically saying, you're an idiot, Harry. Like, how do you feel? You got nothing now. Like, you try to face me, you know, the Dark Lord, you got nothing. And it was Fox um, that had put her head there, but they thought Fox was crying. Like, Tom Riddle was like, she's crying. Look what you did. She's crying. And really, it was healing the arm. And that's when Harry takes that thing and stabs it right into the diary. Which, not that big of a deal, but let's just say this, and I don't like bringing up differences to that next week. <laughs> like, the film, he was, like, stabbing it, like, three times. <laughs> stabbed it, like, over and over. It's like, okay, man, it's not overkill it. One time's fine. 
also in the film like it was like i thought it was kind of ridiculous in the film it reminded me of raiders of the lost ark in the 70s he's like had this like core torn open by the light rays it um reminded me of hocus pocus when uh what's her name jennifer hudson or whatever her name was like gets hit by the light is like bye bye <laughs> like explodes is what it reminded me of um but uh, this part I do like the way it describes uh, when Tom Riddle was leaving because this is the way it should have book club with Chase Brown baby <laughs> you know it hey this is the last one I'm breaking down though we're, we're good on that one I just did like his point it said even the pain was leaving him but was this dying instead of going black the chamber seemed to be coming back into focus here he gave his head a little shake and there was Fox still resting his head as Harry's arm. A pearly patch of tears was shining all around the wound, except that there was no wound. And then that's when you had, at this moment, when all that goes down, um, when he's stabbing it, and it says, there was a long, dreadful, piercing scream, ink ink spurted out of the diary in torrents straining over Harry's hands, flooding the floor. Riddle was writhing and twisting and screaming, flailing, and then he had gone. Harry's wand had fell to the floor with a clatter, and there was a silence. Silence. Except for the steady drip, drip of ink, still oozing from the diary. The basilisk venom had burned a sizing hole right through it. And that's that's the way I really thought it was cool because that leaves you with that moment, almost like how we were talking, not Game of Thrones esque, but it's like wow, like he won. Like yeah, I felt like it was very over dramatized in the in the movie. I would say <clears throat> I did think the part was cool when um, in the book it was describing you know Fox pulled him out. I thought it was kind of ridiculous the way it looked in the film. It looked very cheesy. But like the way they were pulled out of the the bathroom, which I don't know how high you would have to go to get out of the bathroom, but and then Lockhart was just there, kind of like holding on. That was pretty cool. Um, the very end here, you know, we're on the last uh, chapter, Dobby's reward. Um, you know, Dumbledore was telling Harry, you know, he can speak Postleton, like you were saying, because you know Voldemort left a lot of parts in him, but. Basically, he was saying, you know, don't question yourself as a Gryffindor because only the greatest Gryffindor, one of the greatest, or, you know, a true Gryffindor, is what he was saying, could pull that sword out of the hat. And I do want to read this quote because this actually is my favorite quote of all time. And I will say that because it's actually been on my Instagram profile for like five years, six years. Um, and it's because it, if you really think about it, though, it relates to everyone nowadays. And this is the moment where you're really realizing reading this series, you know, it's not about just what your best skills are that get you into these houses. Um, I can't find it, but I know the quote because it is my favorite quote. But basically, Double Door says, Our choices are based not on our abilities. Um, wow, of course, I probably just messed up my favorite quote um but it's not based on our uh choices but rather our abilities so are based on our ability our choices 
not rather our abilities is basically what it was. So basically he was saying is, you know, it was your choice to go into that hat and that house. So like, no, you were put right where you wanted, you were supposed to be. Um, and this is when, after all that's happening, like Dobby comes in and, you know, he's being <laughs> literally abused by Lucius. Like he's like wailing and screaming at this point. Like it was, it was really almost hard to watch, I would say, because um, I felt so bad for him. Remember, Lucius is like kicking him around and everything. Um, and and that's when you were saying, just like one thing I thought was cool in the book was he like hands him the book with the sock and like throws it on there versus it's just in the diary. I would say, I guess to kind of make that clear, is that kind of what happened? Like he just like threw him the sock on top of like the book or something. Yeah. Like so basically, so basically, yeah. So let's say this is the book, right? That I have right here on the video for those who can see me on our YouTube. For those uh, that can only hear on audio, well, I'll try to explain it to you. So I've got like the hardcover book here, right? If I had taken my sock off and pinned it to the book in my hands and handed it to you, you are, you are grabbing the sock because it's basically on the cover of it. So that's how it went. Yeah. Um, just looking at that. Uh, yeah. So okay. Um, also, I, I have your I, I have your quote by the way too. If uh, yeah. you want me to help you out with that. Um, oh yeah, you can say it. I got it right here. Oh, you do? Okay, I, it's your favorite yeah. quote. I just didn't. Yeah, you were you were having you were you were having a struggle finding it, so I wanted to make sure you were. Oh good. man, can't mess up my favorite quote, man. Man, that was gonna be a gobble. It is our choices, Harry, that show what we truly are far more than our abilities. There you go. Wait, it's on my Instagram. This is what screwed me up because I was trying to fit how Harry's name was in there when you memorize something. Because on my Instagram, it just says, this is our choices that show what we truly are far more than our abilities. So I was trying to fit Harry's name in there somewhere. But yeah, just like you were saying, you know, it really goes to show like we're not based on, you know, what someone think we is are someone think we are you know judging a book by its cover like it's all based on just like Dumbledore had another quote like you know you find out really I forgot how it goes but like really how someone truly is you know um like when times are like tough like he was saying that another time but it's just it really goes to show it even relates nowadays but going back to where we were right so you know Dobby gets the little sock and he's like Dobby is free <laughs> give masters that's that's not right no master gave Dobby a sock <laughs> give Dobby clothes he's free and I remember Lucius was like you lost me my servant and in the book like he like comes at Harry and like shows the wand and Dobby was like you will not harm Harry Potter. And like he shoves him back and he like falls down the stairs. In the film, he was like just shoved off in like a distance because they weren't coming out of McGonagall's office, which is where they like were the whole time. So I just picture Lucy's busting his ass down like five flights of stairs as the gargoyle and the griffin are spinning, which they never brought up here. Like in the book, you have Well, that was Dumbledore's book. office. They're at McGonagall's office right uh, now. Oh, McGonagall's. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. But, um, so just saying that. But, yeah, that's pretty much where we're 
where we're at there. That was all my like really cool kind of moments, I guess I would say. Um, yeah, so it's it's all you, man. Cool, man. So I'll take over for just the, the foreshadowed events, uh, you know, from the Rogue Legend to end the book. Like, I only have bullet points. I'll go through it really quick with you guys. Um, for When we start here, this is on page 185. Ginny, who sat next to Colin Creevy in Charms, was distraught. The reason why that's important is because there's a reason why Ginny was distraught that early on when Colin Creevy was attacked and petrified, right? So that was a really big foreshadowed event. We figured out why, kind of right, you know, picking up where Chase left off at the very end of the book, we realized why she was specifically was distraught. Page 190 was the first time that we see the disarming charm in the Dueling Club. Page 201, Hagrid brings in Dead Rooster, and that's the second one that was killed that semester. That's really important because we know now from our favorite moments that a rooster is uh, fatal to a basilisk. So we know why the roosters are killed now. Page 202, the line of spiders are scurrying away. Um, and page 207, we learn about Fox for the first time and the abilities that a phoenix possesses, which are it's able to carry really heavy loads and its tears are healing power. That's a really big foreshadow for what happens in the chamber later on. Uh, page 210, Ginny gets upset when the twins start asking Harry who he's going to attack next because we understand why she's getting upset, you know, now. In the movie, we just think it's because she's a girl that's super young and she's just the crybaby. But no, like, we understand now why <laughs> she's getting upset at these moments. Um, page 219, the Ravenclaw girl with long curly hair. Uh, like when when uh, they took the Polyjuice potion and were like asking where their Cameroon was and she was like I'm in Ravenclaw and then they run into Percy like right after that there's a connection there I won't give it up now I'll come full circle later on because that's those two have a have a uh, little thing going on so uh, <laughs> then we go to page 222 uh, Draco Malfoy even says Dumbledore will be sacked soon if the attacks don't stop that was a prediction that was cool uh 223, the last time the chamber was open, a mudblood died. That's a foreshadow to what we learn about in the girls' bathroom later. Uh, 224, the last time the person was expelled and they were sent to Azkaban. And that's actually the first time that we hear uh, Azkaban in the entire Harry Potter series, the Wizarding Prison, because Harry and Ron yeah, don't know what they are. And Well, true. Ron knows what it is, but Harry doesn't because he's not from there. And he's remember, he's in the Polyjuice Potion stage where he's still um, Goyle. So uh, then we go to... Uh, page 227 they, they thought Hermione was attacked um, but that was that was a different time because she wasn't attacked at that point but they thought she was uh, and that's just because of um, when she got turned by the polyjuice potion to the cat and she was in the hospital wing people assumed because she wasn't in classes and she was in the hospital wing that she was one of the ones that was petrified but Madame Pomfrey was actually just saving her face by pulling the curtains and making sure people couldn't see her as a cat. So, something cool there. Um, page 230. Uh, Ron warns Harry that the book might be dangerous. Like, you know, the part you were talking about, like, just picking up a random book after Ron just gave him warnings about how dangerous the book might be. Well, that, you know, it was even worse than what Ron thought it could be. <laughs> You know, when we find out what it actually is in a couple books, right? So, like, that's a really huge foreshadow. 
Uh, page 231, big foreshadow. He sees T.M. Riddle on the diary. Uh, and Ron mentions that that's the special service award name on the trophy that he puked up slugs on at that retention in the very beginning. So that's uh, it's a f- full circle uh, foreshadow. Uh, page 232. And then uh, he says... This is kind of funny. He's like, or maybe, you know, the Air Southern murdered uh, Moaning Myrtle. That would have done everyone a favor. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. So yeah, <laughs> that was a huge yeah. foreshadow there. That was perfect. Uh, I have 233. Hermione connects the dots between the special award and the chamber, concluding that's why uh, Tom Riddle got the award is for remove, like ridding the, the uh, place of the monster. So she was able to make that award because, like, he did stop it, but it was only because he wanted to stay at Hogwarts, not because he was actually a hero. He's like, I'm actually the one killing people. I just want to stay at Hogwarts, so I'm going to stop now. So that's basically what that was. Uh, Page 237, the ink spilled over the diary and there was no stain. So that was a foreshadow of how the diary worked. Uh, 239, Ginny staring at the diary to Harry looking terrified. And that's exactly a foreshadow of when she ransacks his bedroom and takes it back. Uh, ooh, here's one here. I actually have it even starred, and I'll, it's a, I told myself to read the paragraph there, so I'm going to read it in page 241. i go ahead and get that loaded up for us here. There we go. Awesome. So when uh, Harry asked me, he's like, what do you mean, blotting the page in excitement? And then Tom says, I mean that this diary holds memories of terrible things, things that were covered up, things that happened at the school of Hogwarts, uh, school of witchcraft and wizardry. Harry says, that's where I am now. I'm at Hogwarts and horrible stuff's been happening. Do you know anything about the Chamber of Secrets? So his heart was hammering and Riddle's reply came quickly. Writing became untidier as though he was hurrying to tell all that he knew. Of course I knew about the Chamber of Secrets. In my day, they told us it was a legend, that it did not exist, but this was a lie. In my fifth year, the chamber was opened, and the monster attacked several students, finally killing one. I caught the person who'd opened the chamber, and he was expelled. But the headmaster, Professor Diff, ashamed that such a thing had happened at Hogwarts, forbade me to tell the truth. A story was given out that the girl had died in a freak accident. They gave me a nice, shiny, engraved trophy for my trouble, and warned me to keep my mouth shut. But I knew that it could happen again. The monster lived on, and the one who had the power to release it was not imprisoned. That's a foreshadow if you ever seen one. <laughs> so, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, 251, this is just something small. They were having to choose classes for next year. And it kind of reminds me of uh, um, in junior high school where like you have like some 8th grade where you have your classes like picked for you. And then you start taking electives on top of that. And you're going into like ninth grade and on. This was kind of that kind of moment where they're choosing the type of classes they've got to pick for year three. So, that was pretty cool. Uh and then page 255, Hermione puts all the pieces together in her mind, but doesn't tell anyone. She runs off to the library. And uh, 258, you, hear, you see Percy's in shock over Penelope Clearwater, but Fred and George think it's just because they didn't think the monster would attack another prefect. That's why Percy was freaking out. But it was actually because, you know, we figure out what that girl means to Percy shortly, right? And then page 264, uh... Dumbledore gives that all who are loyal to me speech. So when you when you were talking about where he puts the sorting hat on and says, help me, help me. Remember, Dumbledore said, uh, there, help will always be given at Hogwarts for those who ask. And that's what right. Harry was doing. He was asking for help with that thing on his head. And then the big old <laughs> sword dropped on his head. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. I was a foreshadow. Page 250, 50, I'm sorry, 264 as well. Hagrid gives a foreshadow when he just gives them a hint to follow the spiders. So we know what he like. 
the Hagrid knows what they're going to be coming across if they follow the spiders. So that was cool. Um, page 278, the body of a girl found in a bathroom. That's what Aragog said. That's a foreshadow because we figure out who that is. And, uh, ooh, this is a perfect one to read because it gives us the full kind of story between the ba- like Aragog back in that time and the Basilisk. Because he refuses to even name it. So I'm going to go ahead and read you the little passage there. So uh, he said, The thing that lives in the castle, said Aragog, is an ancient creature we spiders fear above all others. Well do I remember how I pleaded with Hagrid to let me go when I sensed the beast was moving about the school. What is it? asked Harry urgently. And then more clicking loudly, more rustling, the spiders seemed to be closing in. We do not speak of it, said Aragog fiercely. We do not name it. I never even told Hagrid the name of that dread creature, though he asked me many times. So remember in the, like the little piece of paper that Hermione has that we're about to get to right now, uh, it says like like that's the mortal enemy of the uh, spiders is a basilisk. So there you go. Uh, and it was funny because even Harry said like basically this monster is the monster version of Voldemort. Other, mo- other monsters are even afraid to speak the basilisk's name. So I thought yeah. that was super cool. Uh, page 286, Ginny's about to tell Harry and Ron the truth, and Percy basically walks in and says, hey, Ginny, give me that seat if you're done eating, and then she just balks at the chance and runs away, and she could have prevented everything if she was able to tell Harry and Ron what happened, but uh, yeah, so that was, that happened there, and this is the, I, I actually dubbed this the foreshadow of the series, not the book. This is the foreshadow of the entire series, and maybe I'll find myself proved wrong later on if we talk maybe into the prophecy. I won't get too far into that, but this right here, I think, is the biggest foreshadow because this goes all the way up to the last parts of Book 7. Page 332, Dumbledore says, You can speak Parseltongue because Lord Voldemort, who was the last remaining descendant of Salazar Slytherin, can speak Parseltongue. And unless I'm much mistaken... He transferred some of his own powers to you the night he gave you that scar. Not something he intended to do, I'm sure. And Harry asks, Voldemort put a bit of himself in me? It certainly seems so, Dumbledore replies. That is the biggest foreshadow of the series, I think, in my opinion. If my memory serves correct, there's nothing bigger than that. That tells everyone what... Because... I want to give up spoilers so bad because I I know I'm I want I'm basically hoping that I'm gonna remember this part you know when we tackle Deathly Hallows <laughs> down the road, Long but literally <laughs> literally this is the biggest clue of all time of like mm-hmm. yes of <laughs> certain things so Easily. anyways Easily. and then page three forty one just the last one full circle we find out that Percy had a girlfriend. Uh, that whole time and that's why he was acting weird all summer that's why he was upset when Penelope Clearwater was like petrified and that's why Harry found like when they were crabbing Goyle they found them like next to each other so those are the four shadows that I have from the time of the rogue bludger to the end of the book uh what four shadows do you have bro or is it pretty much the same or do you have a couple that maybe I missed out on what do you what do you got over there I have a few that are different. Uh, one thing that I did leave out that I did want to say at the end of the book that was really cool. Uh, I thought, oh, of course, you know, I thought it was cool. They got 400 points for Gryffindor, Ron, and Harry. But the thing I really thought was cool was remember how Harry wasn't getting the letters 
Well, he gave Ron his phone number and told him that he told Arthur how to use it. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. I just forgot to mention it because I'm thinking magic, not muggle. <laughs> so, um, and, and one thing I did want to say, because it reminded me of this because it is a foreshadowing, but it was actually done unintentional. So remember at um, the very end of the film, how it's a little different, like, Hermione comes out. Well, in the book, she actually gives both of them a hug, like Ron and um, and Harry. So in the film, actually, she gave Harry a hug, and then she didn't give Ron a hug. So there was an article about this. So I guess when they were filming this at the time, years ago, 2002. So I guess Emma Watson was... 13 something like that it was like her second acting job she felt uncomfortable ironically hugging rupert in front of everybody and so she just gave him kind of a slap and they got that on camera and then they used it as a foreshadowing for what happens much later on because she hugged harry and ron didn't really get one so i thought that was pretty funny um but also i did want to say uh, one thing I didn't think of that was from the film that wasn't uh, like the book at all but in the end like Hagrid came back from Azkaban and got like a standing ovation so I thought that was really cool Yeah. Um, but off to the foreshadow moments mine were very similar to yours there wasn't that much of a difference there um, let me pull this up here so from the ones that you didn't mention. Uh, okay, here it is. So um, I did have the one where Ron said, I mean, and this was more from the film too, but he kept saying, I don't like spiders. Well then foreshadowing because you got surrounded by a boatload of them. <laughs> and like gigantic ones too, like really huge spiders. Yeah, Like massive ones. So I thought it was cool. Not really important, but cool. Um, uh, when Harry, like I mentioned this earlier uh, during just like things that stuck out to us, but Harry, when he was in Dumbledore's office, he said, well, all I really need is Dumbledore's pet bird to die <laughs> while he was in here alone in the office with it. And then like five minutes later, there goes Fox bursting into flames. Like, what? <laughs> like, my look is great, man. <laughs> um, and then uh, Ron... I mentioned this earlier. He stops Harry from picking up the diary and he says, What? Uh, said Harry. Harry says, What? And he goes, Are you crazy? said Ron. It can be dangerous. Dangerous? said Harry, laughing. Come on, off it. How could it be dangerous? You'd be surprised, said Ron, who was uh, looking apprehensively at the book. Some books the ministry confiscated. Dad told me there is one that turned your eyes out, and everyone who reads Sonnets of a Sorcerer spoken lyrics for the rest of their lives and some old witch in the bath had a book that could never stop reading you just had to wander around with your nose in it trying to do everything trying to do everything with your nose in it and you know i've got and then that's when harry's like panting he's like okay i get it well it was a foreshadowing that you probably shouldn't be messing around with that diary. <laughs> yeah, and being worse than all those things combined. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
Um, the other one we mentioned earlier, I said Malfoy insults Hermione when, um, you know, he says, I'm quite surprised mudbloods haven't all packed their bags by now. Malfoy went on, bet you five galleons the next one dies. Pity it wasn't Granger. <laughs> yeah, well, we saw what happened. Um, and it says the bell rang at that moment, which was lucky at Malfoy's last words. Ron had left off his stool and in that scramble to collect his bags and books, his attempts to reach Malfoy uh, went unnoticed. Let me add him, Ron growled as Harry and Dean hung on to his arms. I don't care. I don't need my wand. I'm going to kill him with my bare hands. So it also foreshadowed, you know, five years from now <laughs> is what I would say. Because I didn't see, you know, I mean, Ron's from where they were in Sorcerer's Stone, how he couldn't stand her, you know, kind of definitely done a 360. Um, and then the last one I had was the paper note that you read earlier um, that said, you know, spiders flee before the basilisk for it is their mortal energy. And the basilisk flees only from crowing of the rooster, which is fatal to it. So foreshadowing Fox that, uh, you know, came in to save the day right there with the splattering blood Michael Myers thriller you got earlier <laughs> in the chamber. <laughs> so, yeah, and those were all the ones I had uh, for foreshadowing moments. Cool, man. So I only have, like, three plot holes that I picked up on from the point of Rogue Bludger to the end of the book, but they were three pretty, pretty massive ones. The first one that I have here, and I, I guess I'll do it out of order just because... I really want to talk about this one a little bit. So okay. remember when Nearly Headless Nick caught the full blast of the Basilisk and he was petrified in his ghost ghastly form? Mm -hmm. Now, how do you get unpetrified, right? You, you're given the, like, the mandrake drought. To re it's a restorative potion, right? How can a ghost drink a restorative potion? Yeah, that's true. I mean, of course they said he lived because he was already dead. But, yeah, I don't know how you would restore that. I guess he just wakes back up. Like, you know, Myrtle, she just pops back out of the toilet. But he was, like, yeah, you know, black smoke. Black smoke, model. exactly. Like So that's my thing is, like, how did he get restored to normal ghost function? You can't drink a potion. You can't eat or drink. You're dead. Yeah. So did you pick yeah. up? Like, 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 I don't know, man. Like, what do you think? Yeah. No, that's a great point. Um. I bet you it had something to do with, remember McGonagall instructed, was it Ernie that was there? He had the fan going and it was like the fan was pressing on him. Yeah, like blowing so, his like his like silhouette up the thing there. But like, yeah. how do you inject him with like the healing drought? That's what I want to know. <laughs> the only thing I could, you know, assume, because that's really all you can do, maybe because ghosts like have a cold temperature per se and precipitation so maybe if they just blasted him with that fan for a long time you'd eventually just like you know like myrtle said would just float just float up <laughs> that's the only thing i got man you got a really good point on that can't argue with that one then the other two that i have this next one like, remember when they started to change back into... Like, they were Crab and Goyle, and they started to change back in the middle of talking to Malfoy. And, like, you know, like his hair started turning red, and, like, they bolted out of there. Like, 
are we seriously thinking that Malfoy wouldn't follow up with that? Like, you know, he's like, oh, okay, run away, guys. That sounds, like, completely normal. But on top of that, you know how they locked Crab and Goyle in the closet? Like, do you think Crab and Goyle wouldn't, like, do you think Crab and Goyle wouldn't tell Malfoy, like, dude, we've just been in the closet the past two hours? You know what I mean? Like, like, like no one ever brings it, like, they, they, they just accept it. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, somehow we passed out in our closet and someone took our shoes. But, uh, you know, that's normal. And during that time, you were talking to people that were like us? Oh, that's normal. Like, dude, no, that would have come up. Like, you, like, like, that's something that <laughs> would be addressed at some point. Malfoy would be like, hey, did you go to the hospital wing to check on your stomach? And Crabble would be like, what the heck are you talking about? We were in a closet. Then Malfoy's like, what the heck are you doing in a closet when you were just talking? To-? You know what I'm saying? So that would have come up. And it just acted yeah. like it never happened. Like, that blew mm-hmm. my mind. What do you think about that? Yeah, that that was actually another problem I had. I just didn't bring it up because I just bought it because Malfoy kept saying like, "Wow, you really are thick." Or Hermione was like, "Hermione was like, they're not even that thick." But I just figured, you know, it was. I just assumed it was like two drunk people waking up in a closet. Like, you know, they have that joke on stuff sorority girls say. Or, you know, guys, like, how did I get in this fraternity house last night? Like, I don't know what happened after they binged on those cupcakes, man. But, yeah, I, I have no... <laughs> yeah, can you imagine that? I just woke up in a closet and accepted it one day. Yeah, and, like, that's why he's like, we've got to go to the hospital and my stomach is acting up. And, like, you know, so if what, like, he's just never going to, like, bring that up. Like, hey, like, you ran out of the common room earlier. Like, you good, dude? What are you talking about? I was in a closet. The hell are you doing in the closet? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's never, like, they're not going to yeah. talk about that. Like, yeah, I just no, that's a big point. found that yeah. super not believable. And also, this is another thing I find super not believable. My last plot hole that I have here is uh, when they, Hermione finds out that she was turned to the cat and they, they come back once they their Polyjuice potion runs out and she's still the cat. Like it's so. Harry says it's okay, Hermione. We'll take you up to the hospital wing. Madame Pomfrey never asks too many questions. I'm sorry, she's a cat. What do you mean you're not gonna ask any <laughs> questions? She is a different species than when she started out. Like, like you're telling me that they wouldn't like a teacher, especially someone like really important that has to care about the well-being. If like that's a problem going forward, like no one's gonna like she's just gonna keep that hush hush. Like, she has a tail. She's a different species. Like, that's got to be looked into. That's one of those incidents. Like, when you're at work and you get hurt on the job, you have to write an incident report. You're not going to sweep under the rug that Hermione started out as a girl and is now a cat. Like, you're not just going to keep that quiet. That's a problem. Dude. Literally changing species. And, like, yeah, (laughs) she she keeps these kind of things quiet. It's fine. Because at that point, if they did, like, an investigation, Snake could be like, yeah, I had all these things missing from my, like, store cupboard in my dungeon. You know what I mean? And they figured out that. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's a real big problem with me that we're just going to let Madame Pomfrey, like, the nurse who deals with all these issues, just be like, oh, you're actually a cat now? Don't worry. It's cool. I won't say anything. No, it's, like, a huge incident. I'm I'm good. What do you say? Yeah. I was just going to say, speaking of the cat thing, first of all, they really downplayed that in the film. That's something we'll talk about next week. But in the book, it was like such an intense procedure to change her back. Remember, Madame Pomfrey actually like took her curtains and like put yeah. it over her so no one could see her cat thing. Yeah, that's why they all thought she was petrified and she was attacked before she actually was. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it was like a big serious thing. Like they were really worried about their uh, her. She was up there for weeks. But then in the film, Harry's like, Yeah, she's cocked up a few fur balls. Like, so, oh, okay, Harry. <laughs> like she's over there dying of torture and pain. It's like, yeah, she's been up there for weeks. Probably coughed up a few fur balls. But are we on the same page that like that would have come up? Like like that's definitely yeah, not like that's an incident definitely. that you have to investigate. Yeah. It's not like unless like Malfoy just truly doesn't give a crap about. Him. Oh, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about like the polyjuice potion. Her being a cat. Like that's an incident you have. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you have would, to. It would have to yeah. because you're literally like, who? What is this? Unlike the hospital form, so this is Hermione, but. Currently, she's a cat. So I'm just glad that we're all on the same page. That that would have been an incident that you would have to document. You know, yeah. like because how did she learn how to do a polyjuice potion? She tricked them into getting a restricted book, and then she stole. Like she, Hermione should have been expelled. Just like <laughs> let let's throw this out yeah. here. In this book, Hermione should have been expelled. So, however, she could have always blamed it on Lockhart because he did. She didn't do anything wrong. He signed. She off. made the. She stole the ingredients from state Snape's stuff, like stealing. Okay, that's pretty And bad. like well, making a dangerous it. potion that's deny, in the deny, book. Deny, deny. Plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. Plead you the can't fifth. deny when you're a cat. Cat. <laughs> like, like, like you can't say you didn't do it when you're literally another species <laughs> what's the thing bill clinton used to say well it depends on what the definition of the word is actually is so <laughs> please explain hermione granger i found that very yeah. strange for sure those three plot holes 100%. but those are the only ones yeah. i've got so what other plot holes do you have or did that kind of cover everything that you had from rogue bludger no, to the man, end you you um or the plot hole guy i i just kind of accepted it the only one i had was the one i talked about earlier where you said well i guess there can be some rumors going around so i can buy it like i, I buy that but yeah I, I really didn't have honestly like the yeah. book the film was cheesy but if you accept the fact it was made in 2002 and for kids and like kids that have never read the book like, yeah. I'm okay with it, because I thought it was cool when I was, like, 12 years old. So, like, I didn't have a terrible problem with it. Like, I didn't have any massive plot problems. Like, it it wasn't a season eight of Game of Thrones, <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. how. I wouldn't really say that either, because <laughs> the quality season eight was much better. But as far as the writing, <laughs> I didn't really see a problem with it. <laughs> cool. So now that we've moved on past the potholes, we get to some of our favorite stuff that we do. We rank our top five magical creatures, and like every single time, we'll start at number five, go up to one. So Chase, I want you to start off in what creature you put at your number five uh, for our top five of favorite magical creatures that you can find in the Chamber of Secrets. I put Aragog as my number five. Number five? Wow. Number five. Number five. Wow. I barely made the list. But really cool. I thought Aragog was pretty badass. The size of a small elephant. Um, my reason I ranked him five, he really didn't do a whole lot, though. Like, he kind of just, like, let his children do the bidding. Like, his children were the ones that kidnapped Harry and Ron and Dude, he's been alive he for 50 like, years, and he's the size of a small elephant. <laughs> yeah, but what else did he really do? Stayed alive and <laughs> bred a whole army of spiders? 
Okay, so you're saying you helped populate the earth. Dude, they took over the Forbidden Forest. They've got their own little section, man. It's like gangs in New York. They got that spot unlocked. <laughs> those those centaurs ain't going over there by the spiders, man. <laughs> they, they ain't happening. It's like a guy that has, you know, five child supports to pay uh. but no job. Like what did you really? That's do? why they, the kids do the work. You had to, yeah, you breed them and then they they feed them. They they bring them back all the food. But in uh, the end, I thought it was really cool. But the biggest reason I even ranked him five was because I just kept thinking who would win, Aragog or Shelob. Shelob. I like it. The so way she does her victims. <laughs> she likes it fresh. <laughs> oh, yeah. So for me, uh, but yeah. my number five oh, yeah. of my top five, I'll start. I put the Cornish Pixies because, okay. like I said, I like them because, number one, they it, I, I visually saw them kind of how they appeared on film, too. They looked like mini Stitches uh-huh. from Lilo and Stitch, and they acted like them, too. Just caused pandemonium in all the defensive dance the Dark Arts class. Threw Nell up on the chandelier. Tossed Gilderoy Lockhart's <laughs> wand out the window. And this is the first time you get to see how much of a phony Gilderoy Lockhart is. They are the ones yeah. that exposed him, and they're just tiny little pixies. He couldn't even handle them. So Cornish Pixies yeah. get the number five spot on my ranking. Tell us what your number four is, bro. Number four, I got the Cornish Pixies, baby. Hey. <laughs> Same thing, man. Just like you said, they're unpredictable, out of control. Lockhart tried to warn him. I do want to say in the film, I thought it was really cool. What was it that, what was the spell that Hermione like said that wasn't in the book it was i got it in my notes but um it wasn't in the book but she said something like uh <laughs> it was like like suspended in midair you know what I yeah mean? they got like frozen yeah it was some sort of freezing charm i don't remember it like what it was freezing them or something, but i thought that was really cool um let's see actually i got that right here let me see it was called Immobius. Oh yeah, Immobius. Okay. Yes, and it yeah. like suspended them. Yeah, so basically it, it cool stops their their motor functions. Yeah, like that you can't move. Yeah, so yeah, yeah that's Immobius. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, not freeze them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Immobius. Erroneous on all counts. Erroneous. Um, but and I, I could not stop laughing when Neville was brought up to the very top of the chandelier. <laughs> one, two, three, one, two, three, drink. Throw him back, cause I don't stop. Neville wants to swing from the chandelier. <laughs> chandelier. <laughs> oh yeah, great stuff, man. Okay, that's all you, I'll let you take it away. At, at number four, four, for me, uh, top five in, uh, uh, magical creatures in chamber ringing in at number four are the good old house elves man house elves okay. got my number four man, spot low, huh? uh, i think they're cool like yeah because we only see a part of what they can do at this point in time like they've got cool magic he can apparate and appear and disappear he throws lucius malfoy that's pretty cool um, but we don't really know terribly too much about them yet and their abilities. So for them just being introduced, they're small and like they're enslaved. So it's like, man, like they could be higher on the list, but like they literally have to do everything they're told. They are, they're actual literal slaves. So I don't know that, that kind of put them down at the list of number four for me. Uh, so that, that's my spot there. Go to your number three. What do you got for number three? 
number three, I got the Basculus as number three. So I thought it was really cool. It was massive and how I kept... See, I was really looking forward to when you told us how, you know, it was basically, like, hatched out of a toad. Because I was hoping, like, maybe it was related to Medusa or something. Because right? that's kind of what it makes you think of, right? With the I've got a lot of good, interesting stuff stairs. on the bass. I'm going to talk about an interesting fact section, so don't worry. But, uh, I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. I'm stoked. But, yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. It was um a very creative creature to come up with because most people would be like there was a massive ass snake but no she came up with like a creature that was different that had these powers like you had the stare not only the stare of course you have the venom that was coming out and you know it's super fast and and huge right um so i i thought it was really cool and and the scene uh i mean (laughs) I think that was probably the only part I liked of the film, but I thought it was really cool in the film, especially for 2002. And just the way it's described in the book in the whole chamber was, was really cool. So number three. Awesome. Number three for me is Aragog. I have him up there because this is, you know, the outside of Shelob in Lord of the Rings, this is something that's kind of unique and new. Uh, spider the size of an, the small elephant. That's crazy. Hagrid had it inside of the castle, just chilling and, and feeding it like table scraps. And then it like goes and lives in the Forbidden Forest, drives its own colony, has its own stuff. Like they were gonna kill Harry and Fang and and Ron just because they were hungry. Like they like they had no mercy. They're like, listen, we said we don't kill humans, but you walked right willingly into us, man. So I can't deny fresh meat <laughs> to my babies. I'm sorry. So I thought that was super cool. And just the way it was described, like in, in like the, the pincers and how the noise they were making, it just seemed really creepy. And like it's kind of perfect for like a horror time. Like, you know, we're doing this right around the yeah. Halloween era, like, you know, time period that just passed last week, right? So it's really, really cool. Uh, now, the next, like, the next thing I want to ask you is your number two on the list. My number two, you would think, would be my number one, but it was Fox, baby. I love that phoenix, man. It was gorgeous with the feathers. Don't forget one big thing. I mean, we haven't said exactly that's his, but you yeah, remember the phoenix feather is like Harry's wand um, and Voldemort's wand, really. Um, you know, the brother of that. And, you know, the fact that they can heal with their tears and the reason i ranked it number two um not saying not why i ranked it number one but because i thought it was so cool like i said it reminded me of that reptile thing obi-wan was like riding on in star wars episode three revenge of the sith because it was like making that music noise man phoenix melody it was great it was like sing it it was like i'm gonna sing your death sentence right here sing your eulogy to you and on top of that it's like you can't be killed reincarnation at its finest just burst into flames and then it's reborn can't get any cooler than that and the fact you know i'm a ravenclaw anyways so i felt like i had to put some sort of bird up there so uh that's why i ranked number two awesome for me my number two is the basilisk and you know, I, I I'm gonna save why the the main reason why for my number one spot, right? But what's cool about the basilisk? It's it's like 
comes from an egg laid by a chicken, but like, uh, like so it's laid by the chicken, but like, like sat on by a toad. Like, like that the toad is what brings it to the thing. So it's super unique. Who thinks of that? Like, how, like, where do you get like a toad and chicken and like figure out how to make a baby egg like that? Like, I don't know. I got some really great stuff on the history of basilisks that I'm going to do for interesting facts. But at the end of the day, this thing is a very large serpent. It is the epitome of what nightmares are made of. If you look at it dead in the face, it kills you. You die. You're done. <laughs> on top <Yeah>. of that, <laughs> it bites you. The poison enters your veins. You're done. You can't do anything. So if you close your eyes, it's going to attack you because like you don't know where it's moving because you're closing your eyes. If you open your eyes to see where it's moving, it's going to kill you because it's looking straight at you and its eyes kill you. So like it's almost like a, an invincible type thing. Obviously, we, we see what happens and how it, they can beat it, but like I just find it very, very unique. It's something that we haven't seen in any other books. Uh, it was very close for me to put it at the number one spot, but I put it at the number two spot. So, Chase, go ahead and take away with your number one. Number one. I I mean, I guess you can say house elves. I put Dobby, baby, but house elves, man. Number one. Number one for me. Uh, they are great. First of all, they're some of the most powerful creatures out there, and how humble do you have to be to literally accept the fact your mind is bewitched and you're going to submit to some of the most evil people on the planet and your entire airline is going to be that way from now on and you're some of the most powerful people out there. Um, not to mention, you know, they can do amazing cooking and cleaning. Uh, like I said, Helga Hufflepuff taught him to do some of the finest recipes in the kitchen uh, early on. And, you know, Dobby was just fantastic. Uh, the way he would, I gotta say, you know, never cast the problem on someone else like Gilderoy Lockhart. Like, really accepted responsibility. Dobby had to iron his own hands. <laughs> Master Potter! <laughs> iron his hands yeah uh, i mean and you know uh some of the things they do is amazing which will come up much later on because he plays a really big role much later on in this series but i had to rank him number one man he's my boy dobby the house elf for the win i wish i could get a football jersey and on the back was dobby on it and then it had it was in the symbol of like the house elves <laughs> yeah that's awesome your turn number one man number one for me is fox the phoenix and the only reason i put it over the basilisk is because we saw them one-on-one -on -one and fox kicked his ass so <laughs> like yeah, straight yeah, up like that's why it was a very close call for me but we literally saw them head to head and what happened right yeah, first off yeah. fox blinds it so now it like it can't go ahead and use one of its major powers so we see that's a weakness right there blinds it then gives harry the tools like you know brings the tools down there that he needs to defeat this thing right so then on top of that, when Harry inevitably like succeeds and fails at the same time, stabs up through there, but the fang comes into his arm, 
and like it's killing him from the poison what does fox do he uses his other badass power his tears heals the wound saves the day again and then they go through the tunnel and it's like shoot how are we gonna get up there we've got so many people oh wait phoenixes can carry unusually heavy loads and throws them right the fox was the hero of chamber of secrets bro like the fox is the reason why they won everything so for that reason all those reasons fox for me caught the number one spot fox of phoenix and uh but to to your point though um when you talk about reincarnation there is a final time where phoenixes die they don't just do their reincarnations forever i've got some interesting facts about uh, the phoenix as well too that i'll get i'll get into in a little bit so just listen to say this on your point sorry not to interrupt you just want to let you know like or just bring this up to the audience like think about how intellectual fox was yeah like bro (laughs) decided to grab the sorting hat on its way down so that this guy that fox doesn't even know is hoping because they are gryffindor because seen him in mcgonagall's office for whatever they were before right was super old is gonna pull this sword out to beat this thing like how intellectual do you got to be to that perfect what if it was just like a normal phoenix and just flew down there well i mean we solved half the problem but what's harry gonna do just gonna sit there and run you you might as well scooby-doo that shit at that point (laughs) running away baby trying to pull the mask down yeah so that was my point like yeah i gotta hear you if it wasn't for just my biasness of dobby fox probably be number one but i gotta give it to my my house elves man the house elf perfect every day i'm elfing (laughs) so so before we move on to interesting uh facts let's go ahead i'll have you list yours just bullet point them five through one start at number five and go up to one so everyone knows in a row what do you got Five, I got Aragog because, you know, I mentioned Aragog versus Shelob. The Pixies, because remember, they took Neville up to the top on the chandelier. The Basculus, because it literally will kill you if it sees you, and it's deadly venom, massive. Uh, Fox, one of the most intellectual creatures out there brought a freaking sorting hat with a sword in it. Hopefully some he'll pull it and he didn't even know this guy. And he like sings as he comes down. So he definitely wants to do factor melody at that <laughs> point. And he's kicking ass and beat like the number one monster in ever, ever. Um, and yeah, can lift like crazy, not even that big, can lift like multiple times your size. And then number one, I put uh, Dobby because, you know, still trying to save everybody, even if they don't bring Master Clues. It's <laughs> great. Excellent. Good stuff. For mine, just quickly running through them, uh, five, the Corners Pixies, four, House Elves, three, Aragog, two, the Basilisk, and one, Fox the Phoenix. Those are my top awesome. five, and we shall... Moving on to our interesting facts. I've got three that I'll do that are just bullet points, and I'll give you uh, the ones that you got, then I'll do my two big ones on the Basilisk and Fox the Phoenix. Uh, so okay. the cool. bullet point ones that I have, I just thought were interesting, that I see in the book, is page 189. We find out that Professor Flitwick was a dueling champion. Like, Professor Flitwick, the charms guy, the small charms professor, was a dueling champion found that super interesting 
Uh, page 197, Harry needs to be face-to-face -face with a snake to speak parcel tongue. He can't just speak it as a regular conversation. Thought that was interesting. Then page 204, interesting fact. Lemon drop was the first password that we see for Dumbledore's office. It's also one of the first things he does in the entire series and back in Sorcerer's Stone. When he appears on Privet Drive, he pops a lemon drop. So I thought that was pretty interesting too. And so those are the three bullet point ones I have. I've got two that I'm going to go in depth on in the Basilisk and Fox of Phoenix, but I'm going to let you tackle your interesting facts first and I'll finish up with my two. Cool, man. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> the first one, you know I'm a big Quidditch guy. So this is pretty cool. Um, so no team had uh, more than three matches this year because the Chamber of Secrets canceled the season. Also, Hufflepuff only played uh, one match that year. And they were actually supposed to be one of the best teams they had in uh, years because they're usually always bad. Um, but yeah, just their luck, you know. Uh, Hufflepuff only had one match and no one else had more than three matches because the season was canceled. Um, this is one I was talking to you about. It's a pretty big one. <clears throat> Salazar Slytherin. Our boy, when we're talking about wand creators here. Um, so, Salazar, uh, of course, you know, we were talking about his best friend was uh, Godric Gryffindor. Um, but his wand, most people, you know, either they go to Ollivander's or, like I said, there was other people that do make wands, ones that were in America, uh, that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> he actually made his own wand, and he was a basilisk breeder and made it from the core of a basilisk. So how even messed up is that? Is you took one of your own pets, you breed it, and killed it off? <laughs> so you can take the core and put it in your wand. <clears throat> pretty messed up but <clears throat> also he was really known uh for the big duel there is facts that he had a massive duel with godric gryffindor who godric gryffindor was known for his charms and it was said a, a massive um i guess like his special charm he did is what actually beat salazar slytherin uh in that final duel and he agreed to leave the school at that point but salazar was really known for the dark arts being apostle tongue and of course uh, transfiguration was another big one um godric uh like i was saying uh you know he's known for charms and stuff you can actually see his portrait in the gryffindor common room um but uh the sorting hat was actually his hat and like we said you know the um, Hogwarts founders uh, bewitched it and you know his uh, sword I'm going to go into in a minute uh, on that because that's a, a big deal but Rowena Ravenclaw uh, like I was telling you last time you know the biggest thing with her was uh, the diadem but her daughter left but another cool little fact about her so she was born in 993 <clears throat> as a Scottish witch and died in the 11th century because of course a broken heart is what they say but one thing she was known for she actually designed the staircases that disappear and change so a lot of people don't know that and she was um, a really big architect um, and actually uh, you can still see a statue of her in the Ravenclaw Tower like I was saying but her wand as well 
is very known because no one knows what the core is to this day. She's the only one. No one doesn't know what the, no one knows what the core is there. Um, like you said, uh, Professor Flitwick, I thought it was cool. Um, but, uh, uh, so they mentioned in the book, uh, Professor Aurora Sinistra, Sinistra. in the memory they were talking about. Um, she taught astrology, um, and was born in 1968 and taught to 1985. That's all it's really known about her. I did also just for everyone's knowledge, just a quick note on these. So these are all the headmasters and headmistresses that came before uh, Dumbledore, um, besides the Founding Fathers, because of course you had the Founding Fathers, but then there was uh, Brian uh, Greerwild, who is known as a master of chess, Heliotrope Wilkie, who is in, uh, she was known for being a master of plants, Hilda Spare, who is a famous herbologist, she was headmistress in 1408, Odessa Skynberg, she was a major historian and got headmistress in 1503, uh, five literally under cliff no one knows anything about her 1531 a tonic crease uh was actually um headmistress and she was a knight actually in uh the british army in 1624 elizabeth burke um she was a very famous slytherin house and helped design most of the dungeons in hogwarts uh Volpus, no one knows anything about him 1703, you had Vindictus Villadron, who is a famous potions expert. Amrose Ewat in 1724 helped found the Marauders. That's pretty cool. Um, and Dilly's Derwent was a famous healer in 1741 to 1768. Everard um, was known to be one of the most celebrated headmasters of Hogwarts. He was in the 18th century. Exproxia Mole was after that in 1876, who actually advised a trap. He was one of the ones that advised a trap to catch um, Peeves the Poltergeist and get him removed from the school grounds, which didn't work. Um, Quentin Trimble was known for dark forces after that. Lindbergh, it's unknown. No one knows anything about that. Basil Franzak, uh, known for being one of the most famous Ravenclaws. Um, then you had Wolfir and Argon, uh, big magical creatures expert, Mordicius Egg, uh, known for philosophy, Brutus Skimor, unknown, but he was one of the most famous beaters for Quidditch. Uh, Phineas uh, Nigellus Black, um, who was actually Sirius's brother, older brother, uh, was headmaster in 1925. Oh no, not not his brother. His older brother is Regulus Black. Phineas Nigellus Black is a is a um, ancestor of the Black family. Ancestor. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. I yeah. knew he was related. Yes. Gotcha. So his ancestor. Yeah. Then. Who is his brother? Regulus. Had a brother, Re- Regulus Black. Yeah. Regulus gotcha. Black. Yeah. Regulus Black. That's right. Yeah. He wouldn't be that in 1925. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then after him, you had Armindo uh, Dippet, who was mentioned actually in this book from 1925 to 1965 most famous for the chamber opened the first time and then you had albus take over in 1965 to we'll find out later yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so i thought that was really cool um uh the biggest one i had and then i'll let you go ahead and take it from here was the sword of gryffindor because this is really uh cool. cool how it was actually made nice um, 
So the sword of Gryffindor was made a thousand years ago by goblins and is enchanted, which is why a lot of times it can be very powerful things. I mean, now it's of course has the Vascalus venom, but um, has been used to be other things before, uh, which come up later on. But it's pure silver and um, is, you know, you know it's inserted with rubies, but Godric's name that's engraved on the blade. The sword was actually made from Godric's best specific specifications from Ragnarok, who is the best silver uh, smith of goblins. Um, he was the f known as the finest smith of goblins around. And actually, it's kind of cool because it's kind of like Lord of the Rings. Uh, what happened was he became so engulfed with making this sword, he became obsessed with it. And actually, Godric had to bewitch his mind uh, to turn him off of it. And it is still said amongst goblins, which is one reason goblins hate wizards still to this day, which is why they are kind of foul, is because um, Ragnarok, they say in history, it was Godric that stole the sword from Ragnarok because it was given to Ragnarok as a gift when most of them know it was him that became so fascinated with it, but it was Godric's sword that was being created. He had to take it from him, so Godric's known as a thief uh, to them. So that's part of the reason you have still kind of that snobbiness animosity from goblins and wizards today. Yeah, an animosity is the word you're looking for there. Like animosity. Yeah, yeah. yeah not yeah. But you see what I'm saying, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the books and stuff. Um, but uh, one last thing about it, uh, because it is goblin silver, it imbibes subjects that strengthen itself too. So it really attracts um, spells and charms that really just give off to its strength. So um, yeah, it'll you know kind of cool how it winds up coming up in random situations is part of that reason which happens uh you know kind of predict the future a little bit but i'll let you take it from here all right cool man yeah so for my interesting facts i really just did two uh obviously i did the bullet points earlier but like for in-depth ones i've got a little bit about the basilisk and also fox of phoenix so for the basilisk i you know the first person to ever breed a basilisk was named Herpo the Fowl. And we mentioned how it's done, right? It's hatching a chicken egg beneath a toad, which results in the creature known as a basilisk. Now, basilisk breeding was banned in medieval times, and the practice can be hidden for when the Department for Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures comes by to check by simply removing the egg from the toad. So it's very hard to enforce like the the like the illegal breeding part of it because all they can all they have to do is take the toad off and put it underneath the chicken real quick or like just have it off to the side like so they don't really know unless they break open the egg which you know they're not going to do that for every single thing so it's been very very difficult for them to get a handle on the illegal breeding of basilisks um obviously we know about its powers if it looks you in the eye it can kill you directly or if it if you catch it out of the corner or in a reflection it'll petrify you then its fangs are also uh, venomous but the basilisk actually has a classification of a quintuple x a quintuple x is like as bad as you can go what that basically means is it's a known wizard killer that cannot be domesticated due to its immense powers however since a basilisk is still a serpent 
A Parsimoth may communicate with it and potentially place a creature under its influence. So, but this will all depend on the relationship between the Basilisk and the Parsimoth. For example, Tom Riddle was the only one that could command and control Salazar Slytherin's Basilisk, while Harry Potter himself couldn't control it. He could just understand and speak to it. So, I thought that was super cool. Also, you know how we mentioned that the uh, length of this the skin was 20 feet, like the um, shedding of the skin, the, the shedded skin was 20 feet long? Basilisks actually actually can grow up to 50 feet in length. Can you imagine this monstrous thing at 50 feet in length? That's wild. So in terms of its physical appearance, it's dark green in color. It has large yellow eyes. Uh, the eyes have the power to instantly kill you. Obviously, we talked about that a little bit. Now, basilisk skin, this is what's interesting. It's armored similar to dragon skin, which deflects spells cast upon it. You can't cast a spell on a basilisk. I thought that was super interesting. Very, very cool. That's cool. That's awesome. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> That's really cool. And the, it really puts everything in its perspective. For sure. So. And what's crazy, too, and this, this really helps us understand how this basilisk was able to maintain life all this time. Basilisks can live a natural life of at least 900 years. 900 years, bro. So that makes complete sense how that basilisk was there when Salazar Slytherin left the left the school. So that that's crazy. That's, that's insane. Really, really yeah. cool. Um, obviously, their their weakness is the crowing of a rooster. We talked about that, and that's why Jenny had to kill the roosters. And uh, yeah, they they. Um, they eat anything like that they can get a hold on. Most of it's rats. That's why you saw a bunch of rat bones down there. So that's what the diet consists of. But they, they're they like ultra top tier of the food chain. They'll eat anything if you get in its way. So obviously, like, yeah, it, it's... Uh, so why is it like a rooster? Why do they fear it if it's so much smaller than they are? I, it's the rooster's crow. It's the sound of the rooster's crow, which is interesting because think about it, like, with a chicken you know there's there's the rooster and then there's the hen right so they're chickens yeah. so i think that has something to do with how they're bred so because it comes from the seed of a rooster even though it's laid it's laid by the chicken and then sat on and hatched by the toad it eventually comes from the sperm of the rooster so maybe the sound of it it's like you know and for better things like okay like that's the one in charge because that's you know <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's daddy basically right so that right. that's the thing is that it comes from you know chickens above all so that's a little bit about why the rooster's crow probably is is fatal to it but i thought that was pretty interesting the basilisk there that's a lot of cool history on it um the next thing i've got is a little bit about fox the phoenix uh so obviously i don't i told you that they die a final time well that actually happens in this series so i don't want to ta tackle that you know right now because i'm going want i don't want to get that out of the way but um yeah, to talk a little bit about like the biography, like so most of its origins are unknown, but at some point prior to 1938, uh, feather two of its tail feathers were recurred by Ollivander, and that fashioned some wands that we know very. I'm not going to say them yet, but that's uh, that's where it goes there. So um, it's been ser he's been serving Albus Dumbledore for 58 years, uh, and then also he comes up outside. I, I just I want to not give away stuff that comes up in the future. It's very tough because a lot of what Fox does and like how he reoccurs other than what we talked about today, like he comes up in the Order of the Phoenix huge. He comes up, you know, specifically yeah. in, you know, 
those those areas. But uh, yeah, so magical skills and abilities. It's uh, like Fox is appeared to be like immortal. He periodically dies by bursting into flames and then reborn from the ashes. He's also immune to the gaze of a basilisk, making Phoenix is the only known creature to be unaffected by the deadly serpent's gaze. Additionally, you know. I, I can't use that one yet because it comes up in, in a book later on. But also teleportation at will. So regardless of the anti-apparition enchantments like surrounding Hogwarts, he can enter the, the like anywhere almost similar to like a house elf. That's got its own powerful magic. Um, the Phoenix Song. It possesses remarkable and soul-touching singing. So it, it, it says the single note of his song it has similar effects to swallowing a drop of a warming liquid. And it helps like build courage in the pure of heart. So that's why he sings when he comes down to that thing. It's not just random singing. That's why Harry feels like his heart swelled to twice its normal size. is because it's inducing him with that stuff there. So that's a little bit about Fox the Phoenix and his abilities outside of what you're going to just regularly read in the books there. But yeah, that's what I've got for my interesting facts, man. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. That's that's awesome. It's just um, tough because like there is a lot more in there that I can't talk about now because it comes up later. <laughs> so it's yeah, just yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. That's, that's awesome. But, um, by the way, yeah, Halloween. Uh, I guess it was last week. Yeah. Um, yeah, Saturday. <laughs> On a Saturday, like, what were the odds of that? Malice in the Chalice. Malice in the chalice, baby. What you got? I got uh, right before we go. So I heard this really cool thing, and I just thought this was really freaking cool. Um, kind of creepy, actually, just because we're on the whole topic of Halloween and stuff, and we're doing this around Halloween. So everyone knows there is um, witch trials that happen in Salem. So I didn't know this right around the same time. And I can't take this credit because I found out from a podcast um i listened to to review for someone uh like a few weeks ago i'm so bad i gotta i gotta try to remember who it was but i remember hearing it but i didn't know there were werewolf trials which made me think of this wow because of you know what we're gonna want to get into right so there was this guy and actually what really hit home is one of my really uh close friends lives there so it wasn't in this country but um i forgot what the guy's name is you can actually just google it type in werewolf trials cologne germany it was in cologne germany they tried a guy for being a werewolf that they thought it was because i guess he was just so abnormal out of the ordinary he would even eat his own skin and what they did was they drew and courted him and they made silver bullets and shot each one of his limbs off to make sure he couldn't turn into a wolf that's Isn't crazy that insane? but i guess like it was like a crazy person and he would like howl and crawl on all fours and it described him like he was like eating the neighbors like goats and all kinds of crap Jeez. Isn't that insane that's really this crazy was, like, yeah right around the time of the salem witch trials so i just thought of that and i was like i was like whatever i got a malice card here i guess i'll share it that's <laughs> so, cool man i never heard that and i'm actually interested i might look that up uh, you know, later when, you know, after we all finished up, but that's really cool, man. Yeah, you never know where you'll find out here. By the way, real quick, why is it we never, you know, we hear vampires in the wizarding world, but we never really get like that. 
Like, no one really comes in contact with vampires. Yeah, they're only mentioned kind of in passing, right? They're not, like, a character that really appears much in the books. I don't know. It could be because, like, the vampire scene has been so played out by other artists, like, and other authors and movie makers. Like, you know, like, that's just got to be during the time, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer when jk rowling was making all this and like there's probably a lot of other stuff and even since then tons of vampire novels have come out so i think maybe it just yeah. like it was just too played out and she's like no nah, we're going in a different direction and we're gonna focus on other magical creatures so i actually kind of appreciate that because there's way too much vampires yeah. like like uh material out there so <laughs> yeah no definitely definitely good stuff man cool yeah uh well once again guys you know it means a lot y'all uh you've been sticking with us through this whole thing and um, it's only gonna get better from here and that's right a really cool one i would say probably one of the most fun i mean then again i guess i can't judge that because every time i keep reading these books they get better and better it's better <laughs> so and i was better. like man this book's at the bar but watch we're gonna go taking the trip to azkaban and no telling what i'm gonna think on this one so what was your takes on this one by the way as far as chamber of secrets goes well well like i we usually save our like rankings for the yeah. them when we do the differences uh the episode next week so i'll save my ranking for it but my biggest takeaway is that it held the test of time and i didn't remember how great chamber was before i reread it this is the first time i reread i've reread chamber probably in 10 years or so so like yeah. it I forgot how good it is and then reading it more in detail so I can present it like in this public forum on this podcast it's it's even better when you kind of really get into the nitty-gritty for a smaller book if you talk about size wide it's only 341 pages but it encompasses a lot there's like compared to Sorcerer's Stone there's a lot fewer plot holes and even the ones I brought up they are some of them are debatable there's a couple ones I brought up pretty like hey what the heck's going on but like it it's pretty solid man so that's my final takeaway from it um yeah, and so to kind of piggyback off of what I was just saying about next week, so guys, you know, what we did this this week, we just tackled part two of Chamber of Secrets where we've kind of went into our big five major key points of the outline, talking from when we ended the uh, Rogue Bludger, so today we started at the Dueling Club to the end of the book, and then uh, so next week what we're going to do is specifically talk about the differences between the book the diff- and the movie and kind of give our pseudo rankings of very like you know where we rank it on a scale of one to ten uh for each the book and the movie but uh i don't know bro i think it's about that time man as we we always say this has been another ridiculous production chase and josh factor fantasy signing, signing off, off.